serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. Hey, this is Gene, and today I've got a dude who's not named Ben, but who is a Ben. I'm the official no agenda dude named Bem. Bem, B-E-M. And what does that stand for? Bemrose. Abbreviation of your name. I got it. Okay. Dude name. So you're a dude name. You are literally the only person who's ever not got that immediately. I did not get that because I don't think of you as Bemrose. I I guess that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't. Yeah. Most people are like, hey, that asshole. No, I I just think of you as Darren's ex who got back together with him. That's all. I don't I mean, know that I've we're necessarily back that together. That, but, uh, well, you do a show other than last week. And the week before. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't didn't notice you were again. Yeah, we missed we missed two weeks oh. in a row. Oh, I guess you're not doing a show. Now you're on my show. Harry, yeah. how's that feel? Yeah, well, I, clearly I'm <laughs> branching out. Yes, well, we pay better. Yes. It, I don't so, know. It, we'll see how good it goes in terms of ratings here. We'll see how the Nielsen stack up. Show 200 for Grumpy Old Ben's Darren really brought out the sad puppy and it, it worked. We got, we got mm-hmm. some big donors coming in and suddenly remembering that we're poor podcasters, but everything since right. has been nothing. But that is, I think, as it should be. I, I think that uh, podcasting, first of all, podcasting is not a novelty anymore. So everyone and their grandmother's got a podcast these days. So they, yeah, and they all like, suck. oh, we want to support those podcasts. Well, they've always sucked. Let's be honest. Not mine. There's a handful of podcasts out there. Every show that I've done has not done by professionals. All right. Well, I know it's going to hurt your (laughs) feelings and all, but you're you're much better when you're improving than when you're reading something. Okay. Is is this in in reference to the question I asked on the latest Angry Tech News? What was the question? Remind me. Oh, I, I. So I do. I do two shows. I do Grumpy Old Ben's and I do Angry Tech News and. Grumpy old pens. I generally just bring notes and improv and right. angry tech news. Right. I script the whole thing yeah, and yeah, read yeah. it. So I think here's my complex answer. I like the content of angry tech news better, but I like the presentation of grumpy old Ben's better. Okay. Usually I'm just sniping at Darren and he's sniping back. Is so that the if there's a way for about? you to snipe while providing tech info, that would be the great combo. Well, that, that's why I write it out. I mean, there there's some real zingers in there. I mean, come on. I, I, I work I hard but on it. Maybe. I maybe pour get... some beautiful sarcasm into those scripts. Well, okay. Okay. So maybe maybe the issue is you just need somebody who's better at reading those than you. And maybe get that you British think, guy who reads. Yeah. The... Do you think Gwiff is available? Yeah. I know he's available because his agent reached out to me. Really? He's got an agent. He doesn't actually. Well, I, I did not you know. We were talking about agent. him being on and he's like, yeah, why don't you talk to my people? They'll get a, something set up and take care of everything. Okay. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you the notes for how I need to be presented on the show. Well, like, I too Jesus, have somebody. this guy? I too have somebody responsible for running every aspect of my life, but she doesn't actually schedule my podcast for me. Ah, well, for Gwiff, that person definitely did, and it wasn't his wife. Huh. No, he's got he's got a whole thing going on. He's like he's going to be on BBC. It sounded like when I interviewed him. Okay, well, I so y- that's you a know, big he deal. Came, he came into podcasting from professional broadcasting. He's kind of a big deal. Well, I mean, I guess you could say that the BBC. I just I mean, did say he, that. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it's sure. I don't sure. know. My, I mean, my, it's not my first, really professional. It's, it's sort of like the minor leagues, I would say. My, my first introduction to the, the phrase BBC was not British television, oh, but well, I don't mine know. Mine definitely if this was. Is... I, did, I don't know where you grew up, but for me, the BBC <laughs> was definitely Doctor Who, not porno. 
I, I, I plead the fifth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that that wasn't in Playboys either. So you must have been stretching to other mediums. Actually, it was it was BBSs. Yeah, BBSs definitely had BBCs. That's true. Some of them. <laughs> what what uh, they had. Yeah, the- what they the had stu- was back then when when everything was dial up and a uh-huh. and and a twenty five kilobyte photograph was oh, yeah. going to take forty minutes to download or whatever the data rate was. Yep, you basically had to grab your porn sight unseen, commit the time taken to download it, mm-hmm. and then like, oh crap, I just wasted my time. There's this is only. How many corrupt yeah. files did you end up getting when you're sitting there getting ready to look at something exciting? De- define corrupt. Do you mean corrupt in, se- like in the, the second the computer- half of the GIF file isn't coming through? It's oh. just garbage. Well, I was going to say, because there's two ways that the files can be corrupt. <laughs> one is the computer can't read it. And one is my, my uh, mom doesn't think I should read it. Well, that, that's, that, I was definitely not thinking of your mom when I was talking <laughs> about you jacking off. No, I usually don't either. No, well, thank God for She'll be happy for, to hear that. <laughs> oh, does she listen? Well, she doesn't listen to this podcast, I'm sure of that. <laughs> she, she did do the laundry for me back then, and uh-huh. I thought I was being so sneaky, but no. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's those times when your kid does the laundry for you and has got a big smile on his face. He didn't do it because he's trying to be <laughs> like, nice. Yeah, I yeah, know. I definitely remember those days. I remember getting caught in junior high school. With a printout of a black and white bitmapped nudie. Oh. Done on a dot matrix printer. What what, what do you mean caught? Teacher saw me and walked over and took the the paper away from me and said, you're staying after class. You don't happen to remember the the make of the printer, do you? Some of those dot matrixes could do some amazing bitmapped work. Like the one that I had was, it it was... in the space of a character, it could have 24 mm-hmm. bitmap lines. It was like a tw- each character was a 24 by 12 bitmap. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you could get, get some real, I mean, images out of that. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. I and and the, the sound made by DPI. a dot matrix printer. Zzz, yeah. zzz, and bonus yep. points if it's tractor feed. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You have, to, it's, uh, have to pull the perforated There are edges YouTube off the videos, paper. you've probably seen these, of people that take no, old shit like printers. No, I've never printers. heard of oh, I know, it's, it's a new thing. Printers, old floppy disk drives, hard disk drives, and then control them to make noise and then actually make music using these as an instrument. I, I have seen such videos, and in fact, I have seen for sale a mm. box that would convert MIDI to SCSI. For mm-hmm. the purpose of doing that. There you go. Very cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess different people have different interests. I tend to play more video games than I should probably. Some people, I guess, make musical instruments out of old computer shit. Yeah. But it, well, it's I, interesting to see because a lot of that old gear just was noisy. I, we just don't have much noise other than fans these days. That's the yeah, biggest right noise now I have sitting... is the fans. Right now I'm sitting next to a my my graphics card, which which I don't have currently the money to replace because did I mention mm. I'm a poor podcaster? Right, is, right, right. I it's probably not coming through the noise gate because I think my noise gate's ratcheted up, but mm-hmm. it's rattling right next to my left ear. Which is, is why I have well, luckily on. the I can't hear it, so your noise gate's doing a good job. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, one thing I will definitely hand to Darren is the guy understands his audio gear and so 
taking his mm-hmm. advice, basically being, okay, give me links to Amazon for all the things I need to purchase for this did not steer me wrong. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. He, he knows his shit, even if he did rip off my formula, but that's fine. That's all good. It's all good. What, what, our formula is what? Well, it's you the go out and hit people in the mouth. No, 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 no. The formula for the audio gear. No, it's it, because oh. what happened was, and Adam doesn't use a Moto anymore, but he did for a long time. Is back before Adam used a Moto, I had a Moto, and I was telling Adam about how awesome these things are, and I was showing him how it could be set up the way that he likes his audio set up. But it was it wasn't quite there. Eventually, they came out with a product for about seven hundred bucks that actually did do everything that he needed to have done i got one of those showed it to him he thought this is great he ended up getting one as well a few months later he borrowed one of my mics and then he said this thing's great i'm keeping it i'll just send you money for it so for a while there basically no agenda was running on my gear so and darren asked adam for a list of all his stuff before he started recording anything well adam created that site a while back podfathergear.com yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. changed. Like before the Motu, he was definitely using stuff that I wasn't a part of at all. But kind of with that that point in time where he ended up getting the Motu, I, I ended up being very connected to what Adam's rig was like. So what I'm hearing is that you are personally taking responsible responsibility for your good audio, for, correct. For, for Motu's business success. Well, their podcasting success. See, Motu was never a in the podcast business. They were only in the pro audio business. In fact, they didn't really like making consumer quality devices. If you look at their lineup, 95% of their products are over $1,000. So they were really a musician's company. But I've been a user of Motu, no kidding, since 1988. And so I've always been a fan. I always liked their products. And I obviously, once I got into podcasting, I wanted to use the products I like. And thankfully, that generation from about seven years ago, I think was when it first came out, it was flexible enough to do all the podcasting stuff, including, you know, what Darren and I have running, which is literally, we can have a 24-person conference call through the Motu where everybody's recorded on a separate track. So I was being sarcastic there, but you're, you really oh, are totally taking, taking credit it. Oh, for it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, in that so They're case, sold out for the can, next year. They're, can you they, get them to sell the one that has the the channel routing again. yes it's it's because coming it's coming there they have said that because the when i picked up all this order. gear what i've got is their yeah you crappy, got the cheaper one I, it, well it's okay in terms of audio quality it's still good but in yeah, terms yeah, yeah. of feature support it has it's not as flexible the, i've lost all audio routing and now i have loopback mix mhm and that it really limits what I can do while podcasting unless I want to run yeah. like voice meter or something. Yeah, no, that's true. But they, they have said that there was an issue with the factory that was manufacturing them shut down in China. And it took them a while to get a new factory lined up and for the parts to be sourced. The next batch will not be shipping until March of the coming year. I see. So what you're so saying is available that I am going again. to be a stunted podcaster until then. Well, until then... Probably even a while after that, because that's wholesale shipping. So it'll take a while for them to get. Well, and then a while after that until people donate to my shows enough for me. Well, okay. Well, sure. (laughs) You know what, what my other co-host Ben ended up doing is scouring eBay with some, probably had some automated alerts going 
until he found somebody that was willing to sell like a two or three year old unit for basically retail price. And he was super happy to get that because a lot of people are selling these things for like 500 bucks over list. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Cause they're, they're somewhat unique. The, the, now, the one that I picked up two years ago is, you can get, is, yeah. Uh, so sorry to interrupt oh, there, but no. you you can certainly get a box that does everything that Darren and my box does for two grand or more. It's just there's nothing under a thousand bucks that does that. Yeah, well, the the one that I have, which was uh, under a thousand bucks, it doesn't. Its audio routing is insufficient for doing what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Or, well. I mean, okay, what we're doing right now, we're just talking and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And and I could even be recording this, but honestly, I don't want evidence of my podcasting to be out. But sure. The the simple scenario is you want to have channel for voice, a channel for jingles, you want to send voice and jingles to the other end. You yeah. want to have an incoming channel from another podcaster somewhere. You want mm-hmm. to send that and jingles to your monitors and you want to have all three go to the recording. And that yeah. is a very common scenario and seems really straightforward. And this device that they've made, I can't do that. Yeah. I don't have enough endpoints. If like, if I try to take loopback mix and send yeah, it yeah. to the other end, so the other person can get and- both my voice and my jingles now they're also getting their voice echoed to them. Right, and that- right. And I, I got to tell you why is because generally for musicians, they want to hear their own instrument as part of the mix. To Do know they want to be echoing somebody's audio right back at them? Well, it's not really. Usually well, the musicians aren't playing across the internet, so they're hearing it in real time. Okay, well, there's, like there's your scenario. millisecond. I, I don't care who's doing I don't need 24 channels. What I need is yeah. that scenario right there. I need the scenario, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I'm not alone. There are hundreds of thousands of two-person podcasts who want to play jingles and need super complicated audio routing setup. I can record a yeah. podcast, but if, if I don't have any jingles, if I'm not injecting any system sounds into it, then I can get I, – I, I send microphone to the other end. I bring loopback mix to the recording and everything's good. But mm-hmm. I can't inject jingles because I don't have that scenario on this equipment, which was low cost, which apparently either either you did a piss poor job with your pitch to the company or they just didn't listen to you. Because if this is marketed to podcasters, it's no good. Well, it's not marketed to podcasters. That's what I'm saying. It's an it's adapted from musicians to podcasters. Then why are you even running this company? <laughs> I wish I was running that company, man. No, I... It, Believe me, Meltu is a much bigger company than than anything that I've run. But there, in fact, Adam and I tried to knock off a product somewhat off of Meltu. It was after we had the Meltus that we decided to start our own company to create an audio device. I don't know if you were part of that Kickstarter or not, but we did uh, Small Batch Audio was the company. And we had the... I don't know. The guys running the Kickstarter the sounded kind of scammy pod- to me. Well, most Kickstarters are kind of scammy. You got to be careful with those things. Speaking of Star Citizen, they had their record year. You know what Star Citizen is. You're a little bit of a gamer. I try not to admit it. Okay. Do you know what Star Citizen is? I'm I'm vaguely aware that it's a game, but I have not played. Okay. So it's a game that was created by a guy named Chris Roberts, who was the... Okay. Would not have known ga- that. Okay. Well, Chris Roberts was a game designer of like three or four different games starting from the 80s and onwards. 
including Freelancer and uh, what was the other one? Something else. I can't remember. Anyway, he did a bunch of space games basically from the 80s onwards. And then each time he ended up leaving the studio, quitting because he was pissed off because they were trying to rush things and put a send a product to market before it was time. So so this guy did not develop on Xbox. No, no, not Xbox, PC. And he he decided- Who does he work for now? Does he even have a job? Because- Rushing products to the market before it's time is yeah. ex- is literally it's, the it's business what model. Studios now. do right. It's all studios so, because so he because they're like decided, what? day one updates. I'm just saying have completely yeah, ruined have the game industry. So so he decided to uh, the best way to do this is to not have a game studio, but just to pitch his idea to people on Kickstarter, and then have them give him money, and then he could make this game. And so he pitched his ideas and he was very successful. The Kickstarter raised $3 million. And so, you know, what, what he essentially sold during the Kickstarter as rewards were once I make the game, once there's ships, spaceships in this game, depending on the level of, level of pledge on the Kickstarter, you're going to receive this ship or that ship or the other ship. And so people basically were giving him money to get his company going Pay to win. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So that was 10 years ago. Games in alpha. So 10, 10 years alpha. to alpha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They just closed their latest fundraising week, which netted $7 million for the week. Game company has now raised over half a billion dollars. How the fuck can you still be in alpha? And the game is not released. Okay. Well, then, then somebody's getting taken. So, well, I'm definitely one of the someones, but the, the, the formula that they ran across, which is super successful, apparently is to not call yourselves a game studio, but to talk about how you're working outside the studio system and solicit people for direct donations rather than selling them a game. Well, this sounds suspiciously like value for value. Kind of does. Scam alert. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so that's what they've been doing for 10 years is they've now created 142 different spaceships. About a hundred of those actually exist in the game and about 42 are still in concept stage and haven't been programmed yet. And, and how many of them are, are going to Elon Musk's launch pad in Arizona? Well, zero because it's a game. So oh. it's, it's purely oh, fiction. Well, when, when you talk about creating a bunch of spaceships, I have oh, to yeah, wonder. Yeah. No, I, I said for the game, for the uh-huh. game. So the game looks absolutely beautiful. I know I've talked about it before. If somebody hasn't seen, just type Star Citizen into YouTube. Pick any random video about it. Chances are it'll be somebody bitching about how the game is a scam. But (laughs) while they're talking about how the game is a scam, they're going to be showing footage from the game. And you're going to be looking at this and going, holy shit, this is photorealistic. It is an extremely beautiful proof of concept. Or it's a great game, depending on who you ask and how much Kool-Aid they've drunk. But... I think it's a great case study in what happens when your idea is so awesome that a lot of people, millions of people, believe in your dream along with you and in what you're doing, but there is zero business constraint from the business side of the business, which exists in every other company, to actually get things done You mean the part that says we have to shut down if we run out of money? Yeah, yeah, the part, no, not even, like, they have that taken care of because they just sell more virtual spaceships, so that generates more income, like $7 million a week, but what they, what they haven't done is created a game. What they've done 
is create a bunch of spaceships and then given those spaceships a few places that people can fly them around and take videos that look really cool. Okay. So, so it's just missing the gameplay portions of the it's game. It's second life in. Yes. Minus the uh, casinos and whorehouses. Well, get on that. It sounds like a business I, I, opportunity. I ran a casino in Second Life many, many, many sounds years Sounds like ago. a business opportunity in game. 15 years ago. Okay, yes. here's here's a question. How many how many statistics and attributes are there to each ship? So you get the base ship and you can swap out about all the weapons, a bunch of the different systems. So I'd say probably eight or nine different things that you can swap out. And there's a range of options for each one. Probably the biggest one is the types of guns you put on your ship. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm just wondering if if it's the kind of game that I would like to play. I there are there are games and there are simulations. And mm-hmm. I, I this is this is definitely as pretty as a simulation, but more closer to a game. Like okay. when, when I make one of the reasons I bitch about it is because I don't think it's simulation enough. Oh, so you and I are different there because when I I, the distinction I make between game and simulation is game is mm-hmm. something that a noob can drop into. And in, right. in, in the time that it takes to learn the controls and interface, they can mm-hmm. hold their own and do all right. A simulation is the kind that you have to put in 50 or 60 hours just to understand what right, all of right, the, right. the stats on the item card mean. Okay. So from that range and that you just described, I, I don't, I, I definitely prefer the game side for the simple reason that yeah. even though I have multiple monitors in front of me, I don't want mm-hmm. one of them to be taken up by Microsoft Excel trying to figure out how to work the game. So you don't like Eve then? Okay. No, not a, not an Eve fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played Eve for a few years, but it, after a while, I was literally a job. I was in Eve 40 hours a week and on top of working a normal job, and then I got divorced, and so I stopped playing Eve. But uh, yeah, this is not anywhere near that much of a game of spreadsheets. There are still some out-of-game tools that let you like figure out what's the optimal configuration of your spaceship in a web browser so you don't have to actually spend in-game and, and money. And that right there real. Is, is an indication that you've got to... Okay, yeah. I, I, you don't need my rant. You, we differ okay. on that. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, you can configure stuff a yeah. lot of different ways. And I, I'm just uh, saying that it, if... in in Gears of War or Halo, which are both mm-hmm. Xbox games, there there is no online tool to help you figure out the optimum configuration. The optimum configuration is get a gun and shoot the right, other right, enemies. Right. But even in games, I remember like in Battlefield or even Call of Duty way back when, there were still online tools that I used that showed you the optimal configuration. I'm a min It's because guy. you're an really, accountant. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it, it's a just because I like spreadsheets and numbers doesn't mean that 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 somehow is a negative thing for games. No, I think in most games you can figure out what is the optimal configuration for the most bang for the buck, and that part of it is something I do enjoy doing. Sounds like you don't, so that's fine. But you would probably then really enjoy the visuals in this game and the fact that it, it completely is an open world. You can go literally anywhere. But, and it but is it, what is there to do when you get there? Well, what would you like to do? I mean, I uh, guess I, that's the question because it's an open no, world, so you could do whatever you want. I don't open a whorehouse. I mean, you probably theoretically could. There are male and female characters in the game, or, or uh, at least an, too, a gambling casino. Yeah, and I, although that may be 
that may be banned by terms of service. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason you couldn't. Like, for example, one of the spaceships that I bought is a ship created specifically for building buildings. It's a construction ship. And it comes with a 10,000 acre plot of land. Okay. So I'm, I'm I guess I'm technically a pilgrim. Okay. It's, it's a ship. Where does the land come from? Is it inside well, they, the ship they, or do the, the, does it tow a planet around the land? Well, no, no, no. There's planets out there. It's just that it's kind of like the old West where if you go West, young man, we'll give you 10 acres and a mule. Okay. It's that same idea. And do you have to, to set up fortifications to defend your land from raiders and I would imagine so. Like, I haven't done any of this stuff because it doesn't exist yet because we're in alpha. So, no. Well, it's, I mean, it, it may. But, it just but, doesn't But today. it could be in the game in another 15 to 20 years. Correct. That's yeah. exactly right. I mean, there are people that have died in the last decade that purchased the game that never got to play it. Yeah. So that is a risk for sure. Yeah. yeah. For, for anyone that's not Playing in this 20s. game sounds like reading a Robert Jordan novel. Well, you're not... I mean, people do like to correct you when you get in that if, the, if you encounter any issues with the game, just remember, you're not actually playing the game. You're alpha testing. That That is such a platitude. Isn't it? <laughs> so, I, and, and it comes up every time somebody like me bitches about a bug. That's, it's like, hey, dude, remember, you're alpha testing. That's on the level of it's a private company. They can censor if they Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for a fact, these same assholes that are saying this are going to flip 180 degrees as soon as it happens to them. Oh, absolutely. they already did. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been watching Twitter? No, no, no. I mean, I know they did on Twitter, but they, yeah. they will so, in this game Suddenly as well. the government needs to step in and restrict them. Yeah, because Elon Musk is a danger. He's he's a an African. We can't allow African people to be running companies well, no, and he's, corrupting he's, our freedom. He's a white neo-Nazi racist, obviously. Obviously, yes. I keep Africa. hearing that. And did you see his picture of the gun on his nightstand? Oh, my God, he's promoting violence. I think he's encouraging people to go and take their guns and go and raid the Capitol. That's what it seems like. Well, I don't know if he's encouraging that, but that seems like... You know, well, by posting an image of a gun on his nightstand, oh, he I, certainly yeah, sure. must be. I, I, what else I, could it possibly be? I, I'm I'm all for this. The tree of liberty is mm -hmm. very thirsty. Well, that's true. But of course, it just so happens that the gun that's on Musk's nightstand is actually a video game prop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen uh. this photo, but oh yeah, 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 it's it's a literally a video game revolver. Um, it's like when when I was in elementary school or grade school or which whatever it was called, I did in fact bring a gun to school once. And mm -hmm. I did not get suspended or thrown in jail because well, it was, it was the eighties and it was yeah. the zap gun that comes with duck hunt on the NES. Mm -hmm. And I had it in my backpack because it was just so cool. I was showing it off and everybody exactly. looked at it, like put the toy away. And I don't know, just 20 years later, I, I, I would be facing criminal charges. For Dude, that. I don't think a day of high school went by when I didn't have a pen knife on me. Like, how do you, how do you be a teenage male without having a knife on you at all times? Well, you live in a society where everything has rounded edges. And, and women rule. Well, that might be too. But then do the women carry knives? <laughs> well, no, spray. that's why they, they used to need men because men always had a knife around. <laughs> okay. Well, you can be as sexist as you want, but I. I know exactly. I which, know you're married. I, I'm not. Yeah. So therefore I get to be I, I know, I know which side of the bed the pussy sleeps on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's whichever side I paid for. <laughs> it's wherever she wants to be. <laughs> 
Also, my wife is in the bed too. Right, right. Well, uh, that's fair enough. I mean, I guess if the cats make it room for her, then she'd be allowed in there. Yeah, well, the... How many do you have, two? Just two right now. Hmm. With the electric blankets, the cats have been getting a whole lot more interested in the bed these days. They probably think of the bl- ban- the blanket more highly than they do of you at this point. Oh, yeah. They're like, you're, you're just lumps underneath my heat blanket. Get out of here. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly right. Well, I, I don't know what it is because I, I had cats. I never had a dog. Don't have anything against dogs. I, I've met some interesting, cool dogs, but yeah. they seem like they're pretty high energy. It I always absolutely cats, depends on the breed. I guess, but I don't know. Cats tend to sleep for a good 18, 20 hours. Dogs are, uh, some breeds of dogs are, are low maintenance. Some are high maintenance. They hmm. all. Universally all my are higher maintenance. High maintenance. Yeah. Universally dogs are higher maintenance than cats in my opinion, yeah. because cats, you just like a cat, you can leave the house for a week. And as long yeah. as there's an extra litter box and a steady supply of food and water, they just won't care. And then they'll, you'll come back and they'll, yeah. you open the door and they raise an eyebrow like, Oh, it's you dog. Yeah. On the other hand is going to lose their mind. Oh, they're going to go nuts. Yeah. They're going to go literally but, insane. But they're certainly abandoned. There's certainly dog breeds that are really high energy and dog breeds that are really low energy. I yeah. grew up with dogs and that, I, okay. I grew up with real dogs and by real mm-hmm. dog, I mean, if it's under 40 pounds, it's a rodent. Yeah, that's true. So the, the dogs we usually had were Labrador retrievers. We had one collie who was close that's to pretty the high energy I, labs are absolutely bug fuck fucking insane for the first three years of their life. Mm-hmm. And they will chew everything. Mm-hmm. The one of we had to replace a family room table when I was growing up because the dog chewed the leg off so much that the table fell on her. Oh my god! <laughs> but after that, though, Labrador Retrievers are the greatest dog in the world because they're just so laid back. It's if mm. if you have small kids and you and your small kids are hyper because you're a terrible parent and think that the only way to handle the normal activity level of a child is to drug them then labs are yeah. absolutely great because it, oh, if you get out your kids, well, if you get a six, seven year old, lab, of course they're, they'll play with them. They'll wrestle, they'll jump around. And then when the lab says it's done, the kid can come up and grab the tail or yank on the ear. And the lab is mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, I guess I shouldn't be here and get up and walk away, which is a mm. lot better than some breeds, which will turn around and bite the kid, which is generally not considered nice. Yeah. I mean, is so, that worse though? I, I I feel like a lot of kids out there need to be bitten a few times before they start realizing. Too. I kind of feel like yeah. if you if you have a if you have something like a, a poodle or a, a dog that actually defends themselves, and a kid comes up and yanks on the ear, well, the kid's gonna get bit, and then they'll know not to yeah. do that again. I feel like exactly. that's that how it should be. But now I've only been bitten by one one dog in my entire life, and that was only like five years ago. And you want to guess the type of dog it was? Chihuahua. Correct. That is actually 100% correct. <laughs> okay. The fucking ankle biter bit me. See, that, that again was sarcasm because I don't think any chihuahuas get to be over 40 pounds. I think it was probably 20. Therefore, it wasn't but a dog. Nonetheless, it, it got in underneath the sofa that I was sitting on, <sighs> crawled its way forward until it could see my feet and decided to bite my ankle. I mean, that, are, I always, I always thought it was like a joke name that they're ankle biters, but they're literal ankle biters. 
Chihuahuas I, are it, uh, a high energy, uh, poorly behaved dog. They are, they're like little psychos who think that they're 80 pound dogs and always yeah. want to prove it to people that it's one of the worst dogs. People is, are like, absolutely. Oh, it's cute. No, it's not cute. It looks like a, it's not cute fucking, at all. It looks like a fucking skeleton with leather tan, tanned leather. It, streaked it is over. absolutely a rodent. It's and a if, if my buddy's wife wasn't there, I don't think I would have really prevented myself from stepping on the stupid thing as soon as it bit me, because that was my natural impulse reaction. I like how you phrase it, not, not stepping on it, stepping in it. Because there would be a puddle once I stepped in it. I mean, it, this is a dog that is almost too small for my snake to eat. Yeah. I mean, it is ridiculous. Well, you just small. get more than one. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's what you end up doing. Although no, the, I don't feed my snake dogs. I, I feed yeah, them rabbits. Yeah, the problem, the problem with puppies is that they're a lot of work to raise for the stringy meat you get. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Whereas the cat meat, that's a higher quality meat product because they don't use their muscles a whole lot. They mostly sleep. <laughs> that depends on whether it's an indoor or an outdoor cat. Well, that's true. That's, let but cat, even outdoor cats like to sleep you, all day long. Let your cat get to be an outdoor cat and what you're going to get mm-hmm. is is a whole lot of meat from basically everything in the neighborhood that they murder. Oh yeah, they they do they do share. That is true. I remember I had a big orange Maine Coon, which by the way, car, that that damn cartoon ripped off my superhero character, the Coon. But uh, that was that was what I was playing as a kid. But uh, that was an outdoor cat. So he'd be indoors all day during the day, sleeping most of the time. And then when it got dark, he'd go out hunting. Yeah. And he didn't hunt for mice or stuff. He hunted rabbits. He would bring rabbits home every night. Yeah. He'd uh... always eat the ears because I I think that was his favorite part. (laughs) And so he didn't want to share that. So he'd eat it before he brought it home. Like my mom with the chocolate Easter bunnies. Earless (laughs) rabbit. Yeah, exactly. You have this earless rabbit that that is right outside the, uh, the screen door. To the porch and the cat's looking like hey look at me i'm providing for the family yeah, i left the rest for you <laughs> and, and you know what uh, way back in the day before the days of supermarkets that actually i mean you'd yeah. grab that off the porch and be like oh, hell yeah oh, hell i'll clean yeah. and skin this the fresh rabbit Fuck yeah. yeah people That's don't edible. do that these days no i know i know it's like it, it, i've taken i posted a photo once of my my fridge and it's it looks I, unless you have pets that eat stuff like this, I'm sure it looks completely crazy because the fridge is just chock full of whole bunny rabbits in plastic bags, in like sure. one gallon bags and stuff, and then rats for the other snake. And oh, oh, not so for you. It, well, no, I don't I don't need either kind, but those rabbits are over 20 bucks a pop. That is not I cheap food. Believe, well, I believe that. <laughs> How much do you think went into raising it? I mean, come on. Yeah, well, I buy heirloom rabbits. So these are actually rabbits raised for 4-H and the Boy Scouts and stuff oh, to, to be, be pets. in rabbit shows. Yes. No, not so. not pets. They're competitive rabbits. Yeah, they're, the, they're the kind of creatures that, that small children would fall in love with. That's what oh, you absolutely. feed your snake. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, nothing's too good for the snake. Well, the, the small children who would fall in love with them, that might be. Well, I mean, I think they're probably... Most of them would be safe. The the uh, I can't afford to feed the snake what it would be eating in the wild, unfortunately. Small children. So I have to settle for rabbits. monkeys. They they oh. mostly eat monkeys. Okay. They have a taste for the the larger brain cavity size mammals. 
Okay. So do you ever worry? No, I, I make sure that there's no chance in hell the snake would ever consider me food by just being a fat dude. Okay. <laughs> like the you snake will is never, smart you enough will never to look be at me enough. and go, that's just not going to fit. There's no point in trying. But if you had a younger brother who was in shape. How do you know I didn't? I don't. I, <laughs> yeah. No, he's a sweetheart. He's, you know, he's you, you now I kind of wish now. I'd, okay. I should have talked to you a long time ago. My mm-hmm. brother was really annoying me for a while. Oh, anyway. Oh, well, there, there's some pets you can get. The, the only problem, of course, with that is Actually, that Actually, pigs are usually the best pets for that purpose. Only problem I have is he's my younger brother, but he's my big brother. Mm. Oh, you know what they say? I don't. The younger they are, the harder they fall. I don't, I don't listen to what they say. They're no. usually wrong. Well, they do say that too. Almost verbatim. So, so what else is going on? So you're not playing high-end video games in alpha. What, no, I played well, Cyberpunk okay. recently. Have you played that? I, I, I have actually, I let my Xbox subscription wane. I got, uh-huh. there's, there's a couple problems with the Xbox. The, the first one, which I know I've ranted about on grumpy old Ben's before, but I may as well, because it pisses me off so much is that sure. for the last couple years, I haven't put a lot of time into playing on the Xbox. So it'll be every week or two that I'll just make, I'll be like, okay, I've got an hour to play right now. Let's go up and just launch yeah. a game because and also i haven't bought a new game since 2014 i i get well that that might be why well no i get games for download because the xbox live well, if you, you maintain the do subscription you not buy those but, well, i guess you just get you lease them now don't yeah you, you lease them in buy fact games xbox live has a, a system they have a, a game pass thing which just gives you mm-hmm. the game library and then they have another thing that says as long as you keep your subscription here's a free game that's attached to your account and i play yeah. those but as soon as you let your subscription last, so all like of that audible. gets taken away. Right, right, right. And but I think you get them back when you yeah, if you if you again. subscribe again, yes. Yeah, but yeah. I, I used to have one of those when I moved to to Austin. I decided that I was not going to get back into building a expensive PC just to play video games. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to stick to the Xbox. And I I did that with the 360. I did that with the Xbox One. And then I started watching videos of games that aren't available on, on the platform. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I could take that for, for a couple of reasons that I will try to get into if we don't go too far off track, which we will. So only playing every 10 days or so. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm allocating an hour for this. I don't, I don't even play that much on the PC, but I have people that I talk to on the PC. I don't have a lot of people in the Xbox anymore. Most of them mm-hmm. wanted to rape my grandmother too many times, but that sounds like Call of Duty. It's, 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 yeah, it's Gears of War, it's Halo, it's all of them. But the problem is, if you only log in every 10 days, well, Xbox One releases an update every two weeks. Oh, uh, okay. Now, they've got a lot of systems in place, which is that if you leave, if you play your Xbox every day and you leave it in what they call standby off mode, where it's still using mm-hmm. a trickle of power, but. Yeah. The network is on and the hard drive is on and the CPU is paying attention and checking for updates all the time. Then it'll update in the background, which is exactly what they want, which is why they, okay, they love it. But Mm -hmm. if you only play every 10 days, it'll only stay in standby for like for a couple days. So if you don't play every day, Mm. it'll go off a standby and then you boot it up and I sit, I'll go into the room and go, okay, I've got an hour. I'd like to play a game. Oh, it's time Spend to half update. Half an hour downloading shit. Yeah. Half hour to download shit over the crappy yeah. Wi-Fi, and then another ten minutes to install it. And by the end, you're you're like, okay, <laughs> now I have twenty minutes to try to boot the game. And of course, the 
it's it's an original 2013 launch day Xbox One. It's not one of the, of the fancy new ones. So all of the new games will take five minutes to freaking load. Wait, how big is your drive on that thing? Because I think I only have like a gigs? 250 on mine. Five, 500 tiny. gigs. It's tiny. Holy shit, that's like one It's game. tiny. It holds, no, it, it holds, at the moment, I think I have eight games installed. Oh my God. Yeah, that is tiny. And because every month they're like, oh, you have access to a new game because of your Xbox mm-hmm. Live account. And I'm like, well, I might have access, but I have to what's figure out which of the games I'm playing. Called? What, what's the newest Xbox? Well, I'm sorry? What's the newest one called? I don't know. The is is there another generation after the Xbox One? I haven't. Oh yeah, it. there's at least one, maybe two. Well, I know, I know the Xbox One. They came out halfway, th- like a couple of years ago, with the the One S or the One X or whatever, which are all technically still in the Xbox One category because they're all backward compatible. They just okay. have higher resolution and and more memory and more hard drive space and all the things that these greedy multi gigabyte games need in order to function. And so my old 2013 launch day Xbox is capable of launching these games. S? I don't is know there what that is. Series, I, I don't know. S as in Sam. Well, for, for the reasons I'm giving, I'm moving away from console gaming entirely. And in fact, in a couple mm-hmm. weeks, my live subscription will expire for the first time in 15 years. And I don't think I'm going to oh, be wow. renewing because first of all, if you don't play all the time, then the one time, the one time when the system can be absolutely certain that you want to use your system, that's when it says, fuck you, you don't get to do anything, we're updating. And that's right when you launch it. it, it so, if, if it had a, a function that said, go ahead, log off and install updates. Play, play without updates right now because it's a single player game and who gives a shit if you have the latest UI widget. Yeah, you, and, they got, everything's no, live now. So, But no, no. The way Microsoft does it is you don't have the latest update. You don't get to connect. And if you don't connect, then it can't authenticate. And you can't even launch your single player games in your library because it has to authenticate your account before it can run. Anyway, so that's infuriating. So there, there's a Series S, which is 300 bucks. Then there's the Series X, which is 500 bucks. Okay. So the X sounds like the one to get them. The my understanding the is that one. those are supposed to be back compatible. I mean, in they so much probably as probably are, but I know like the when I got the one, I kept hearing oh 4K 4K and it never did 4K. I I and think I think that the graphics card and the connector support 4K, but a lot of other things in the pipeline like possibly a TV don't. And for well, too few yeah, people, I had a 4K, 4K TV, has but, not picked up. It is not caught on the way. So these companies are like, eh, we're not going to put that much effort into it. Huh. Well, we're going way I mean, past 4K on, on the PC side. Well, on, we're all talking about 8K. Are you, are you kidding me? I have, I don't know how many K it is. I'm, I'm currently looking at three monitors, all of which are running at 20 by 10. So you're not even at 4K then? No. Why would you're I? You're at a three quarters K. I'm, I'm at, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, 4K but, is because, double the width, double the height. So it's four times what your single monitor is because do you get 4k videos from YouTube? Do you get 4k videos yeah. from Pornhub? Yeah. I don't. I, I, well, probably cause you don't have a TV that can play them. And, and also because <laughs> I don't know yeah. that not a lot of people don't have the bandwidth to do that. Yeah, no, it's, I get plenty of bandwidth. 
I'm sure um, you do. You're you're lucky. It's Austin. Well, I'm, you're in freaking Seattle. You ought to have plenty of bandwidth up there. In theory, I actually have two ISPs here. One of them is cable, where they keep mysteriously bumping my download bandwidth up, and that would probably mm. work just fine. My my cable company currently says that I should get like. Uh, 1.2 gigabytes down or something like that. There you go. That's plenty for watching high, high diff. And 15, mega, 15 megabytes up. That's horrible. That's horrible. It's awful. You can't yeah. you can't podcast on that for sure. You can't. God, no. I, I can't run my, talk about gaming, I can't run my Minecraft server on that for sure. Right. Um, right, so, right, right. So I don't use that because, well, two things. One, the up load bandwidth is absolutely pathetic. I think they might've bumped it up to 25 or something, but the other is that your bandwidth is they only advertise burst or peak bandwidth. And Mm. if you download at 1.2 gig for Mm -hmm. an hour, you're more like getting five meg because they will throttle you. Of course they will. That sucks. Uh, It's this is what all cable companies do. So I don't use that ISP. The ISP that I use has fiber to the house. It's one of mm-hmm. those where the company that originally put it in had some kind of a government deal that said, if you want to roll out this service that you want, then you have to supply premium broadband mm-hmm. to such and such number of people. And I got in yep. on that deal and then they got their rollout done and they stopped accepting new customers and for contractual regulatory reasons they have to keep you on if you continue Hmm. paying but if i ever cancel the service i will never be able to get it back and that is fiber optic to the house 35 megabits symmetric and it's fucking Hmm. solid i cannot Hmm. it will never go over 35 megabit but it will never go under that either interesting and that's the one that sounds like fios it is actually it it was originally at&t Fios and then it became Verizon mm-hmm. Fios and then it got sold yep. to a company called Frontier and then Frontier yep. sold off their Frontier broadband sucks. division and yep. then it became a company and I think now it's a company called Ziply and okay. it, the division is it's it's a wart hanging on the side of the accounting right. Right, right. of all of these companies where they're like for regulatory purposes we have to continue supplying this we just keep hoping that the customers will, will cancel, move away yeah. or die or cancel so that we don't have to, because they never have to sign right. any new up. Yeah. the So one of the benefits of being in Austin proper is the city has a tendency to be like a test bed for a lot of companies. So we have like four or five different fiber providers here. And so I've got one gig guaranteed bi-directional and I'm paying 60 bucks a month. See, I would, I would be on that. Yeah. Yeah. See, Seattle is, would uh, be like that, except that the regulatory environment yeah, in Seattle is yeah. so awful that even the big tech companies around here are like, yeah, we're going to go and look in another state to see if we can set stuff up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's true. But it's, so the, I was talking about the Xbox. So this Xbox Series X, which seems redundant, yes. get, lets you do 120 frames per second 4K. When have you ever known Microsoft to be good HDR. at naming things? Ever. Well, that, hey, hey what was that staple? My, Microsoft Windows 3.11 for work groups. That's a great name. What was that little staple dude's name? Clippy. Clippy. Or, yep. or little staple Clippy. dude works. Well, I, that was the description. <laughs> also, he's a paperclip, but I like little staple dude. Oh, you're right. You're right. He's not a staple. He's a paperclip. That's why his name's Clippy. 
That makes more yeah. sense, actually, now that I think about it. So, yeah, I haven't really looked at Xbox because just PC gaming, like a lot of stuff I play. But but I will say that because I do like simulations more than games, my favorite space game is definitely Kerbal. Okay. And Kerbal, I don't know. I don't know if they've got it for other platforms. I know they've got it for Mac. But it is a... That's like- it's, it's one of the few games about space that has real orbital dynamics and real physics and which makes it the learning curve go straight up it's hyperbolic yeah because you start with oh cool i can build a rocket to how do i shave off an extra 20 kilograms because my thrust just can't go there (laughs) yeah and it's also a lot of fun i used to Uh, i love it way back in the day i used to play and, and it was a stupid little game that's probably been cloned 12 times but i played one called bridge simulator which was just mm-hmm. you you start with these materials and you have to build the right truss and girder system in right. order to support a train going across it and the absolute best part of that was not building a, a perfect triangular truss going across i mean you you do that mm-hmm. and then you're bored no it's coming up yeah. with spectacular ways for it to fail some of my mm-hmm. favorite ones were the ones where it said you have to have a train and then a car go across and yeah i set it up with a big fulcrum in the middle so that when the train, the train would gain a little altitude to the other side. And when it finally got to the other side, a couple mm-hmm. of things would snap on the bridge. The train would fall into the exit area and the opposite end of the bridge, which is cantilevered over across the fulcrum would fling the car all the way across the Canyon mm-hmm. and land it in the area. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've played those, I think on a lot of platforms, starting with the Wii or certainly PC as well. They can be really fun. I watched a video maybe a year ago of a, an actual bridge architect playing that game. And, and it was really fun because he was, he wasn't just playing it. I mean, building the bridges for him is kind of a no brainer, but he was that the the version of the game that he was playing, which I've got as well on Steam, lets you upload your bridge designs, and the he he was looking at what were the top rated bridge designs, and they were all non traditional, non standard stuff. Some of them doing what you described, which is kind of gamifying the whole challenge, so that yeah, I mean the, the challenge was. Get, the challenge was the car has to be on the other side. Right. The game and was so not deep enough. You get it there. The game yeah. was not deep enough to simulate whether or not the people inside the car survived. Exactly. Exactly. So things like that. So it was fun watching this guy, like just his head steam coming out of his ears as he's watching these designs and going, no, that's not how you do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was, so it was pretty, pretty I'm going to, I'm going to get to the, the one point I've been dancing around and the main reason uh-huh. why I'm abandoning console gaming. And it is a a characteristic that any more at this point is absolutely necessary for me to, for a game to hold my interest for more than the time that it takes to get through a playthrough once, if that, and that is being able to introduce my once, once I've gone through all of the rules and, and physics and the, the parameters that the developers carefully balanced I want to unbalance them. I want to be able to make mods. I want to be able to install mods. Kerbal does have this property. The game that I keep going back to. A huge, huge modding community. Oh, yeah. The game I keep going back to, Minecraft, which I think is probably one of the most moddable Mm -hmm. games in the world. 
Like yep. I, I play a lot of Bethesda games because every single playthrough, I'll go ahead and load up a different set of mods and suddenly I'm playing a different mm-hmm. game. May, mods really make a game go from good to great for sure. And, and if a game I'm a can't, biased if a game is not I've moddable, done... and more importantly, if I can't write my own and install my own mods, right. then, yeah. then I've got one playthrough in me and then I'm uninstalling and I'm done. And you're done. And, yeah. And anymore, I, I have, especially with console, I have so little time to play that even dedicating my time to learning enough about the game and understanding that and get good. This is why I'll never play competitive online again when you mm-hmm. have to put in a thousand hours just to be able to hold your own against the people who are going to snipe you with a pistol from 12 miles away is, is I don't have, I don't put in the time for gaming anymore that would be necessary to get good. And so yeah. I want my time is going to be spent doing things that I know are going to be constantly novel experiences. You never get that with competitive online and you hardly get it with a game that's like, yeah, you just start here in one place and you play through the campaign and then you're done. It's, it's okay. Yeah, I've always liked the open world games a lot more and certainly game open world with modding. It just makes it tremendously good. I recently and went I, and I, Oh yeah. Yeah, as I can say, and I agree about the modding yourself. So I've done that for three different games I've written mods for, including Kerbal. And being able to solve a problem that you are noticing in-game yourself without waiting for somebody else to do it is just a tremendous freedom and flexibility. Yeah. Like, a game cannot hold my attention if I can't download the game and then the next directory over download the modding tools for that game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and part of it is I'm a programmer, which, you know, Minecraft, for example, Minecraft has come a long, long way with regards to their in-game scripting system and being able to, they now have a, a full on system with command blocks where you put a block in and you enter a command and the command executes and it can do a lot mm-hmm. of things, but there's nothing that even compares to being able to crack open the Java archive and start injecting your own class files, which is still yep. how I mod. I have to have a Java compiler and you have to basically be a Java programmer, which is not something that I'll readily admit, but I do know how to write code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yep. I recently went, I started a new game in Fallout 3. I think that was a 2006 game of the year. So we're talking what, 16 Pretty years old, old game. Yeah. Because I found a new mod to attach to it. This mod, it gives you, it like has some backstory attached to it that says through radiation exposure. Cause that's what fallout's about. You have a mutation that turns you into a giant green Hulk. And mm. it's pretty simple. What it does is if your health drops below a certain level, then it increases the scale of your character. It, turns your skin green. Uh, it force equips on you uh, a, a loincloth and some brass knuckles, and it increases your defense to be almost invulnerable and your dam- your hand-to-hand damage to be immense. And then, mm. so the whole way the game plays is if your health drops below a certain level, you hook out. And then your guns are taken away from you and you have to punch things until you, your health comes back and you calm down and then you change back. And it completely changed the game so much that I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying playing fallout three of the 16 year old game again, mm-hmm. because I'm like, I've never played like this. Like 
it's kind of a meta game. Like I need to, I really need to snipe this guy. So I need to not get hit so much that I lose access to my sniper. Oh, <laughs> oh, he got me. Okay. It's time to run up and just punch him in the face. Yeah. 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 No, that's interesting. That's it's fun when you can replay a game in a totally different, see, this is one of the things I really like about cyberpunk 77 is that they've incorporated even without mods, but they do have tons of mods for the game, but even without mods, they've incorporated enough variability for playthroughs to where you're not feeling like, okay, I've done it once now I'm done because not only can your character be male or female, but there are really about four different styles of play. And it, it makes sense because this originally was a Dungeons and Dragons knockoff into a cyberpunk future. Yeah. That's how that genre started. Interesting that you bring up male or female, because in my experience, lots of games let you choose that, but it offers mm -hmm. almost no replayability because it's not politically correct to make the gameplay different depending on the player's gender. Well, cyberpunk definitely makes a difference because there are different characters that you can romance, if you know what I mean. Is that central to the gameplay or, or is that just a side? Yeah, yeah, it actually is. It, it affects on what happens towards the end game. Okay. It's an extension of your sort of friendship standing. Okay. Um, well, so if, if, if you're a boyfriend or girlfriend of one of the characters, they can assist you in the final boss battles. I remember a long time ago. That when kind of thing. I was playing some game and one of my roommates at the time looks and says, I noticed that all these games, I think I was playing like Mass Effect or something. My roommate says, in, in all these games, I notice you always choose a female character. Are you transgender? Mm -hmm. said, no, there's absolutely no gameplay difference between the male and female character in most of these games. Yeah. And if, especially in a third person game, if I'm mm -hmm. going to have to stare at my character's ass for an 80 hour playthrough, <laughs> I want it to be something worth looking at. Well, and that, that's a funny point you bring up because I, I generally do the opposite. I've always tried to model a character as close to what I actually look like as possible. Yeah. Most of the game um, options don't have create a, a fat pudgy bearded guy. Well, they don't, but, but, you know, I do have photographs back from when I was in my twenties to remind me of what I used to look like. But the, in fact, if you look at, if you're one of my friends in Steam, my Steam avatar image is an actual photo of me when I was much, much younger. But anyway, the, the, I've always just played as a male character. And then in some games I've seen people playing as females. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And there's generally been two replies as to why. Now you just provided one of them, which is. In third person, if I'm staring at the back of something, I'd not. I'd rather stare at a, a a nice chick butt than some dude's ass. The other reason is that in some games, the female characters have smaller hitboxes. Yes. So you can do the same damage shooting, but it's harder for them to shoot you because you're small. Yes. And uh, that, and so that that makes a difference. There, there is in fact a tactical advantage in some games. I think. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. So there is definitely a difference there, but I will say that this cyberpunk is probably one of the first games, maybe, maybe second, but not many where I've in my initial playthrough was with a female character for the exact reason you mentioned, which is when she's riding a motorcycle and she's wearing those pink hot Daisy Dukes, <laughs> it like, why would you play a male character ever for any reason? Even if it's a bigger hitbox, it's like, this is, 
this is a, a much better view of riding around the city on a motorcycle. And and you probably spend a non-trivial amount of time riding around the city on a motorcycle because in an open world game, you find There's yourself that, wanting yeah. to go places that are not right near where you are over and over again. Travel. Well, and, that, you know, and that's where the missions, the good missions are. Yeah. Like they're not next to the, hot, the fast travels. They're next to like nothing. It, 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 fast travel is, it, okay, total side rant. Fast travel is such a bane on open world games. It I agree. destroys totally. immersion yep. so much. Yep. It's only necessary if you have designed your world such that the places you need to go are really far away and it's boring to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a game design issue that a lot of people are like, well, we notice we notice in, in Fallout, this person has to go the entire length of the map. And at normal walking speeds, it takes nine minutes to get there. And we haven't right. populated enough interesting things along the way. So you're just walking across this blasted terrain for nine minutes and people are going to get bored. So let's just put an option in the menu that lets you click on it. Well, okay. You, yeah. You've destroyed immersion twice then. Congratulations. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. The the way this is one of the things, the, the way that Cyberpunk presents fast travel is they have a like a subway system that goes through a city. Okay, well, that's, so you're, that's you're at least of, more immersive than, than click on this it, and teleport there. But it is nonetheless teleporting. So you're, you go up to the sideways, you click on the subway, and then you're teleported to the new area, which is, it's cheaty, but at least they're trying to make an attempt at it. And there's way too many stops, if you ask me. There's too many ways to a fast travel. You know who? In Star Citizen, yeah. there is no fast travel. I mean, well, you, do you, you is, wake is up, there at least FTL? I mean, you don't, there have to, is, you don't have to build a generational ship to get from one planet to the other, do you? No, there is a quantum drive, which is essentially FTL, but it uses fuel and it still takes a long time. So I'll give you just a short scenario, a rundown. You wake up in a, whenever you log into the game, in like a hotel, you have to go downstairs, leave the building, and you go downstairs by taking an elevator. While you're waiting for the elevator, because you have to wait for it, you can look around and look at advertising or the scenery. And then you get in the elevator. Elevator takes probably about 45 seconds to get you down. Does the, the game actually floor. have advertising? It's in-game ads. It's not Oh, it's not so is, real is it ads for It's in-game? all fake product okay, ads. Okay. No, no, no. It's all fake product. Well, well, it's it's ads for things like spaceship manufacturers. Okay. Oh, oh no, that's fine. That that improves yeah. immersion without being. Yeah, yeah. Blatant. It's immersive. Okay. I've just. I've and then seen, you walk outside the building. Have you seen, you have by to, the way, the the trend very recently of for real ads, real ads being injected into games? Yeah. Now there is one game where okay. I actually have a mod that injects real ads because I think it adds to the reality, which is American Truck Simulator. So if I'm driving around the country in a truck in a video game it's much better to see an ad for an actual mcdonald's than for a fake in-game brand as long as the developer is getting paid by mcdonald's to put that in well no because this is why it has to be a mod is because clearly (laughs) the developer and mcdonald's don't have a deal see i would i would probably use a mod mod like that to inject porn images or something Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe there is one like that. But I, I kind of like the I, the more realistic look. But anyways, it's you it's get not out of realistic building, to you see have a to... big billboard with nothing but boobs on it. I mean, come on. I, if you live I would be much, LA, maybe? I would be much more interested know. in driving truck if that if I could see that on the interstate. If you could see that? No. There's, yeah. there's a lot. You could definitely see that at a truck stop. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they have those. So you get out of the building. Then you have to walk, uh, find your way to the the trolley that goes to the airport 
wait for the trolley to show up or the whatever method of transport, get in there, and then you're in it in real time as it's driving to the airport, gets to the airport, so then you can go and request your spaceship be brought out to a hangar, wait a little bit of time, then go to the elevator, which takes you to your hangar to get to your actual spaceship. So basically, so you're, you're kind of describing it's, it's 15 minutes. You're kind of describing fast travel that, that has modes and point to point networks and, and you, well, but it's it, not really fast travel because it takes well, you 15 okay, minutes. Well, you're describing you die, is slow travel. It's slow travel. Yeah. Anytime you die, and this is one of the gripes that people have, <laughs> you can't get right back in the action because when you die, you spawn back at your hotel and it takes you 15 minutes just to get to the damn well, spaceship. Okay, tell the whiners, the planet. tell the whiners that if they want a realistic game, then every time you die, you get banned mm-hmm. from the game permanently because that's how real life works. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're adding permadeath to the game as well. Okay. Course it's not fully in yet, but they're talking about doing that in the next few patches. See, I don't I don't appreciate that in a game. Minecraft has something called hardcore mode where yep. if you if you die in the, the game, it deletes games. your map. Yep. yep. And and yep. yeah, congratulations. You have succeeded. This is extremely immersive and not a game I want to play. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's where that continuum from simulation through a game goes into force. The the Star Citizen guys' motto is they have what they kind of call the rule of cool, which is that we're going to try and make things fairly realistic. But if if realism gets in the way of it being cool, then we're going to go with cool. So it did fast travel really well, in my opinion. And this Ooh. this is going back almost twenty years. There was a game, Elder Scrolls game called Morrowind. Mm. You played that one? I never played that. So the way. Every Elder Scrolls game since has been the pull up your menu, click somewhere on the map, and you just teleport there, and it simulates time passing in the game. That's that's mm. how fast travel works, which basically is okay. simulates you walk there. Well, first of all, if the game was sufficiently immersive, you'd never want to do that. And secondly, right. you should always it's walk totally there. unrealistic on account of if you did take the time to walk there, you would get in encounters, you would fight things, you'd pick up mm-hmm. items, you'd do things. This just simulates, oh, we just got from here to there, time passed, and you didn't encounter anything at all, which yeah. I, so in most Nothing of these games, kill you. I hate fast travel because I don't use them. See, okay, but, let me ask you this. What if you have fast travel that has, let's say, a one out of 10 chance of killing you? I don't know that I'd use it. Well, that might be a good thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I would use the slow travel that has a chance of killing me because at least then I would get to see the, the giant grizzly bear that bit my face off and be like, oh, maybe I right. should have avoided it. Oh, you rolled a three. Sorry yeah. about that. Your character died uh, well, in the okay. woods while that, walking. You're, you're getting into another another peeve of <laughs> of gaming that bothers me is is when you have major life decisions being handed over to the RNG. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. But okay, Dude, that's so like every game. Come the, on. The way that fast travel works in Morrowind is there's like six different flat fast travel networks. First of all, there's boats. So the first place that you start is on the coast and you can, in fact, go in the starting town to a boat and talk to the vendor there. And he will take you to either of the next towns, like one of the next towns or the next big town all along the coast. Mm-hmm. And OK, that's kind of immersive because even though it, it still teleports you there and then simulates time passing. You're at least okay. I, my character spent time on a boat ride. We're good. And then if you get farther inland, they have these 
giant hollowed out bug things. It's in lore, but who, which are basically horses that are the size of a tank that Hmm. walk across the landscape on these super long legs. And you can get in one of those and go to the inland cities. So that's a completely different network. So you can go to the, the boat person, or you can go to the silt strider vendor to mm-hmm. be on a completely different network, goes to different places. And then there's also what else there's, there's magical fast travel. There's two spells that you can learn. If you join certain factions, one of them merely teleports you when you activate the spell to the nearest temple and one teleports mm. you to the nearest military. And mm. so when you want to get from point A to point B on the map, you don't open up the map and click, okay, I want to be here. You open up the map and go, okay, so if I activate this spell, it takes me to the fort where I know there's a silt strider vendor that can take me to this city where I then can activate the other spell because that'll take me to the temple north of the city. And then I can walk from the temple down the path to the boat, which will take me to my destination. And now you are gamifying fast travel. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way of doing it because it breaks it up. So it's not just point to point from wherever you are to where you want to be, but you still have to plot a course, but I'm sure it's still what much faster than just walking. Oh, it's much faster path. than walking. It's it's an Elder Scrolls game. So trying to walk across the map is, is I hope you've got a half hour of real time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and there are certainly games that just like, I don't know if you've ever played Satisfactory, but they don't have fast travel. So the closest thing to fast travel is... If you want to get from one side of the map to the other quickly, well, guess what you need to do? You need to build a railroad I piece by piece, approve. the entire thing. And once you build it, then you need to build a train, put it on there, and then set it up to go back and forth. And then once the train's running, now you can jump on your own train yeah, and then catch it to go across the map quickly. And, and it's reasonable and immersive to say, yes, I'm riding my own train car on the rails that yeah. I built, and I'm probably not going to have encounters along the way. Oh, you still have encounters. I mean, oh, I it's so. it's not at all fast travel. It's literally just instead of walking speed, you now have a hundred kilometer an hour train speed. Okay, or two hundred kilometer, whatever it is. It's but you're literally having to just advance technologically. Now that but that speed of advancement isn't realistic at all, of course. Do they? But do they actually simulate train crashes? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And it, but and it's not. I mean, it's not fast travel. That's why I'm using it as an like alternative to fast travel or the only way to accelerate your travel, but you're still not teleporting. You're literally just creating a vehicle that goes faster. Before you get to the trains, you unlock cars. So cars are a little faster than walking. Trains are a lot faster than walking. And then there's always the games that just put in an airship. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they, and that's always a little cheaty for most games. It, because it's I remember cheesy. They, I, I, you know, pl- I played a lot of Ark. I don't know if you ever got into Ark. I did like 3,000 hours in not, Ark. Not familiar with that one. For it. It, was, it, was, it started off as a early release unfinished game on Steam where you wake up on an island and nothing but a loincloth and you know nothing about it. And so it's complete open world. You have to build survival okay. shit. Okay. But, it's it's, survival. but all of a sudden you notice that there are dinosaurs running around. Oh. And so that's where the danger as well as the supply of meat and leather comes from is the doors there. And they took that and, and kind of over the years of making the game added a lot more magical elements, which I'm not a fan of. I preferred the dinosaurs just as they were originally. Yes. But because whatever. dinosaurs are much closer to the reality we live in. 
Well, they're not mythical, at least. <laughs> they, it, that's what you... I, I do think that. Go, exactly. go ask the book of Genesis. There are dinosaurs in there. They just stayed in the Garden of Eden because they're perfect. They weren't kicked out, unlike man. Man was um, perfect. It was snakes. woman that the, fucked the, it up. The snakes were definitely kicked out. Well, clearly man was not perfect if he <laughs> let woman fuck it up. A perfect man would have said, I'm going to watch you eat that apple I, first. Yeah. Be like, kick that bitch to the curb. There's going to be another one come along. It's like, eventually. hey, God, you can't, there's a version two coming, right? Yeah. This, this one has uh-huh. a bug. Yeah, no, she's, she's like 20 when I married her. And at this point, clearly we see there are problems. And she's not putting out the way I need. Apple eating. I mean, what's up with that? Yeah. So there's, so in ARC, everything is really hard because you realize these dinosaurs are way bigger and more powerful than you. And, and they see you as food, frankly. And there are things you can do and build up, build a little, little mud hut or a wooden house or a brick house or whatever. But, but when you get that first pterodactyl, that first flying dinosaur, and then there are other changes the game flying ones, it changes the game because all of a sudden you can just fly over the danger instead of having to deal with the danger or avoid the danger by going around it. And that just. I mean, it's cool to fly, but it also kind of makes the game less challenging and, in any game. I mean, what you described, uh, I, my experience with that is way, way back in the day. I used to play a lot of JRPGs back when I didn't respect my time. And mm-hmm. when when we did that, oh, there was actually a measure that, that that I would use, a metric applied to the game overall. And it was time to airship. And mm-hmm. what it was was... The, the game is always built in, not always, but a lot, a lot of them follow this formula where the game is built such that there's a, a usually linear or barely branching path from the starting city to the next one you're supposed to go to, to the next one, because you're following the story and the narrative requires yep. that you do events in a certain order. And so in order to enforce that order, you you're on foot and then maybe you carry, catch a railroad, which is just a point to point. And then there might be some chocobos that let you cross this desert, but then it forces you off the chocobos when you get to the other side. And it's very linear up to a certain point where you've reached a point in the narrative where it decides to branch out. And at that point, they always give you an airship. And now Mm -hmm. you can get in the airship and fly off and go to any place that you've been in the previous part and there's going yep. to be places that you couldn't get in any of the linear paths. You have to go to the airship and that's how you advance the plot from there. And it's usually near the end of the game, but yeah. it was a measure of the game to always say, well, how long to the airship? Like Final Fantasy VII, one that I played way too much, mm-hmm. had a time of time to airship of about 30 hours. Okay. Of course, the tutorial in that one was about 10 hours. That's before how long it took to get out of the starting city. But sure. you're you're... It's two completely different games when you are on the golden path that you can't deviate from. You have to visit this city. You have to encounter these narrative events. You have to visit this. You have to fight these people. You have to beat this boss. You have to do this. Now you have the airship and it suddenly transforms from a linear adventure into an open world. Completely different game. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. And I relish those limiting times. And don't get me wrong, I love flying in every game that has flying, but before you get to flying is where you have to actually solve problems, and it's not just always a God button, oh, well, I just fly over that. There, there's Sure, there could be dangers in flying too, somebody could be shooting at you, whatever, 
but the dangers are greatly diminished when when you're three dimensional instead of two dimensional. See, again, I feel like that can be solved with game design. It feels like what what they haven't done is put any encounters in the air. Well, and they they event in arc they eventually did they they put in dragons. Okay. Which are faster and bigger than you, and they fly. I mean, I, I and so if you're a pterodactyl or whatever, or any of the the animals that fly in that game, the dragon creates a very real threat to you, and it's not just okay. dragons as other critters as well. But and certainly all of that got added later because bef- the the initially when you were flying, there was just not much that could harm you. Sure, I recently, but I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I. I I recently played a game called Divinity, I think it was called, where, or Divinity 2 or what, it, 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 anyway. The plot of this game is that you are cursed by a dragon to ultimately become a, a dragon knight. And the first half of the game, the game is basically broken up into two main overworlds. The first half of the game is trying to awaken your dragon powers. And one thing I don't like mm. about it is that once you do, you can't go back to the first half of the game because it just locks Mm. it off. But that notwithstanding, the second half of the game is you have your dragon powers. And when you are in dragon form, you you don't have to worry about infantry on the the battlements because you can just roll up and breathe fire on them. That feels incredibly Mm -hmm. awesome. But now you have to worry about the ballistas on the battlements that are firing at you. Right. And you never had to worry about the ballistas because ballistas do not fire at a, a person walking around. Sure. But so it, it, it is a completely different game where you've got different things you have to think about, but you still have the freedom of flying within the constraints. Like it, it has a, there's an invisible ceiling you can't go above. And there's a lot of places where the cliff walls mm-hmm. go above the ceiling in order to box you in. But mm. The the whole game in in the dragon section is built around you can it's almost a two world game where you can switch and you're looking at the same place. And now all those all those people with the the bows and arrows and really big swords that were completely working you over when you were in human form, you go to dragon form and you could just cook them and then they're done. But now you got to watch out because they're going to send airships after you something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you just reminded me of that. I don't really have a point there other than there's it's easy enough to build a game balance such that you're like, Oh, you get this new power. Well, now you have a whole different set of things to worry about. And I feel like the, the, like the final fantasy games back then, or the JRPGs I used to play were Mm -hmm. great examples of, of they didn't do that because as soon as you got the airship, you're like, yeah, you've just got freedom to move wherever. Just now play it as open world. Yeah, yeah. And and there's see this is where I think the simulations, simulation games have an edge because there are inherent risks with any upgraded technology. So you you're risks. building airplanes, you finally conquered the flight through an atmosphere, but traveling outside the atmosphere and building a rocket presents a whole other slew of potential problems for you. You've learned how to how to actually achieve orbit around the planet, but now flying to a moon of is a whole slew of other things you never needed to worry about that you now have to worry about that all have a chance of screwing you up. If you achieve orbit around a planet, then your first concern should not be flying to a moon. It should be, how do I re-enter without burning up? Yeah. Well, the, the first 
orbit you achieve is a non-return flight. It's like it's Sputnik, right? Okay. It's just can, you, can I get to the point where I can actually put something? Can you go all Kim Jong Un and start randomly firing missiles into oceans and stuff? Yeah, yeah, you could totally do that, in Kerbal. I mean, okay. it's, it doesn't really achieve much to do that. But if you find oh, that a lot fun, of people think that Kim Jong Un isn't achieving much by firing missiles into the ocean either. I personally think that he is the only thing standing us, standing between us and a kaiju apocalypse. But I may be wrong. Oh, yeah, you never know. You never know. I think that he is too easy to make fun of, and that <laughs> makes me suspicious. I think Joe Biden is easy to make fun of, too. And that also makes me suspicious, because who's pulling the strings? Obama. That sure seems like it, doesn't it? Well, I, it's either Obama he or it's whoever, term. whoever was driving Obama, because it's exactly the it's same Obama's policy. wife? <laughs> right, Exactly. So I, I don't know, man. There's one other game since we've been on this game rant for a this while. This seems that I to like, bring up be like a, a gaming podcast at this point. There, there's not enough of those on the No Agenda stream. I just don't see gaming talked about enough. Gaming is not a big subject on the No Agenda stream. It is. There are a lot of gaming podcasts out there. Yeah. Yeah, there are. There are specialty ones, but not on this go to, little go to Twitch. Of That's kind of all you get. Yeah. And, and a lot of basically advertising for OnlyFans. Well, yes. There's plenty of that happening. Well, it's more anyway, than gaming is, podcasts, but I might be biased. This game's called Green Hell. Uh, I'm sure you've never heard of it. I, I've heard the name. Uh, although they do, I think they, they do have a version on Xbox, actually. Yeah. I, I know that for a fact because they talked about it. Yeah. Green Hell is a game slash simulation Th- that... This game is called Angela Stripper Titties. Uh, oh, wait. That, that, that's a different game, <laughs> yes. And incidentally, Steam does have an X-rated game section. You just have to checkbox the box that lets you view them. I'm not surprised at uh, all. Yeah, I literally didn't know they had that until this year, and I was like, "Really? Holy shit! There's a lot of games in there." Any of anyway, them good? so this have you played them all I yet? I haven't. I have not paid a dime for any of that shit. No, I haven't. I've seen some videos. You like, you can find videos from those games, but uh, I haven't. I haven't paid for any of that shit. I mean, it's kind of like, eh. I mean. Uh, well, okay. once you're old it, enough, have you done all this shit in real life? It's kind of like how much fun is it doing if, in the video game? First of all, if you Anybody from the 90s knows that if you pay for porn in any form, you're a sucker. Pretty much. And these games, I'm sure, are much better than Leisure Suit Larry. Anyway, so the Green Hell is a game where you are a biologist that goes to the Amazonian forest with his girlfriend, and then the girlfriend disappears. You don't know what's going on. But she is talking to you on the radio. He contracts a, and a strange infection and dies. Oh, wait. Something like that. It's not that. that inf- yeah. How, how immersive is no, it? No, it's pretty close okay. to that. It's very close to that. So, but it it is one of the most realistic games, I would say, in terms of survival in a, certainly a jungle like the Amazon. Okay. And the the things that you need to do to survive, very simplified from reality, but all similar and based on reality as well. And so you have to obviously find food, make shelter. There's animals as well as indigenous tribesmen that could potentially kill you if you if you don't make allowances for making sure that you stay away from them or that you're protected well. But the traps that you make to trap and kill animals, the the way you make medicines, it's all very much simplified, but based around very much realistic videos, even to the point of how do you make clay? Like, 
to you have to make clay and then you have to shape it and then you put it into your kiln to actually fire it and make it hard and then eventually you're even getting to the point where you're making primitive bronze metal tools very very realistic super easy to die like it, it, that game will kill you multiple times a day without even trying is that like a bad end um, game or no a bad end game oh i'm mean? sorry I, it's a it's a term from cyoa I, never mind i'm, I'm not going to open up another topic on on narrative style but go on yeah well okay well Either way, there's a story mode loosely that you can follow, but a lot of it is just basically survival, but done in a non-fictional like fantasy way, the way that Ark is, for example, with dinosaurs running around. This is very much all actual existing critters or plants. or Like in that game, you drink ayahuasca, for example, okay. and you have visions. And uh, you know what ayahuasca is, right? I'm not familiar with the term. Oh, well, you, you don't watch enough Joe Rogan then. Uh, no. <laughs> it's, it is, it is, is there enough? I don't know. It is a ritualistic psychoactive drug that shamans okay. will guide you through. And I believe and you, in that whole and, Amazonian and you area. drink this instead of water in the Amazon? Is that? You don't drink it. No, no, no. You definitely don't drink it. It's, it is essentially a combination of a, a psychoactive drug and poison. Okay. So, and no, I, I don't drink that. I drink alcohol. This is better or worse, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. But a lot of people that have done that, that have gone down south and done ayahuasca, it has DMT in it. They, they have visions that make them think that they can now understand their life a lot better, that they, some people see aliens, some people see God. It all depends on what, you know, who you are and what you see. But anyway, that's in this game as well. So I thought it was just a very well done game from a prepper standpoint. Okay. <laughs> Essentially, you're not going to learn recipes, but you will learn that you need to know how to do these exact same things that are in the game. You just have to learn to do them in real life. Okay. So the list is the same, like the list of things you need to survive. So you're saying that if is you, the same in the game as real life. If you play this game and then mysteriously get fast traveled to the middle of the Amazon, you it, it will have prepared you. Yeah, you're gonna die within probably 48 yeah. hours. And but then you get a you the UI pop up on your HUD that says you have died of trench foot. Exactly, exactly. Because you're like, oh, I forgot to pack the moleskin. God damn it, that's the problem. Fun game. Anyway, we don't have to talk about okay, games anymore. Fine. It's like easily an hour on this topic. I, we, we've definitely hit the topic enough. They, you know what? Back in the day, the only... I played the original survival game, Oregon Trail. Oh, I remember that. Yep. And nowadays... I died a lot. Huh? I died a yes, lot. Yes, you died of dysentery. Yeah, a lot. Yes. No, I, I usually died because I didn't pack enough nails or something stupid like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't really play a lot of survival games these days. I play Minecraft, but I, it was years ago that I stopped being interested in the survival parts of Minecraft. Now it's just a, a, a platform for installing whatever really awesome mods that a, I have next. A building to. thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I think you would like Satisfactory and I think they do have a console version as well because Satisfactory has just a little tiny bit of survival, but mostly it is a, building 
cool, interesting, I don't even know what to call them. I guess factories. I, the idea being is you need to make a widget to make this widget. You're going to need four different subparts. I'm, and each of those subparts is made of a number of different ingredients. I'm guessing factories then, is the word because that's in the name of yeah, the game. Yeah, factory is definitely the word, but it's it's satisfying us uh-huh. also. That's where the other part of it comes from. And so you have to source the raw materials, get them converted to more advanced materials, get those converted to the little sub-widgets, and then all those together build a widget. And you do that by building different machines and you have a lot of we call those things the the little belt things that move materials along one way conveyor belts there you go that's the word um, um, so you you end up building a lot of different conveyor belts so if you want to see what it looks like again, yeah if you're i'm, not I'm really looking at their person, website right now and there's the the one thing that's bothering me is there is a giant red flag in, in two words that are listed prominently uh-huh. on their website What's that? Early access. It's I've, uh, it's I've been burned by early access before. Yeah. It's, it is like a 98% early access. I've had this game for about three years and they've almost finished it. Almost. Yeah. Kind of like they it's, they... it's missing. It's, it's, believe me, you would think it's a complete game. Kind of like they only... All the areas that used to be... I'm oh, sorry. All the areas in the game that used to be just sort of very basic and ugly now i'll have trees and critters and things it's all i think it'll probably well in fact i don't know why it says early access because they're past 1.0 they're actually in release as of i think about nine months ago okay so i'm not sure why it's early access it should have flipped to normal access by now but it was an early access for several years for sure sure but it's just, it is kind of fun building the machinery and trying to optimize to see where you can make things a little smoother, faster, better. And I also love the little bit of dystopia. This is kind of a happy dystopia in this game <laughs> because the, the corporation that sent you owns everything. Of course. By contract. So anytime like you fall and you lose a little bit of health, it gives you a warning that you're damaging company property, which I, I love that. That's this very cute little thing. And the goal is to ultimately gather as many resources and turn as much of the planet into a factory as as is possible. But it's a it's a so completely the, open world. The, the end game is a Borg planet. Is that what's going on? Pretty much, okay. yeah. But it's a very large area. I don't know how many miles, but maybe like ten by ten miles or something. Okay. So it it would take a damn long time to completely bulldoze over everything and this sounds like the kind everywhere. of task that that there are people out there currently doing that have done it yes yeah. yeah and there are videos if you search there's a couple of guys that specialize in this game that do exactly that where they're it's like oh you you can build like five factories so let's build 500 factories or you, you can build a train set to go between different let's cover the entire map with nothing but railroads that kind of thing. Okay. I mean, you uh, only do that just to say that you've been able to do it. I, yeah, that's not... I mean, when I've played that game, and I probably play it about once every six months or so, I do a playthrough. And I usually end the playthrough at about a 90% complete mark because then I kind of feel like I, I know what I need to do to get to that 100%, so I don't yeah. really need to do it. Yeah, that, that, that's where you, you're cool like, I've, I've, I've figured out, I've solved, I've yeah. figured out what, yeah. you know... Now, exactly. I, 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 I think about there. this and, and you talk about turning an entire 10 by 10 square mile area into all factories. And 
And I realized one of the reasons why I wouldn't do something like that is because the first mm-hmm. place my brain went was going, yeah, but okay. The m- much more interesting part of this would be now take me to the city that needs that much manufactured goods. Sure. Take me, yeah, yeah. take me to the place where this is, this is an important part of a supply chain. That much factory is producing yeah. goods for somewhere else, much larger. Yeah. Well, if it's a planetary scale, then you got to imagine that that exists. There's plenty of those. I, I, yeah, but I don't want to imagine. I want to be like, okay, now you've shown me you the cool factory it? part of the mm-hmm. world. Now show me the, the resorts that, that use all of the stuff I'm making. Yeah, unfortunately, your social score level does not allow you yes. to be uh, partaking of those. So you you just stay right here on this planet. Understood. Yeah, and I, I, I can't, talking of dystopian games, I can't not mention the other insanely dystopian game that is similar, which is Hard Space colon Shipbreaker. Okay. This this it is has, a game, I think they're in It's a game is so good it needs now. two titles. So they're done. Yeah, exactly. And in this game, your job is you are hired to be a guy working at a spaceship junkyard, tearing apart spaceships, cutting them up with lasers in order to recycle their parts. And you want to maximize the efficiency of those recycled parts. So you don't want to throw anything away that could be reused but you also don't want to put into the reuse pile something that clearly could be melted down into raw metal like aluminum, and then that's a better use for it than trying to recycle it as an existing part. Super okay. easy premise. So not transfer set. Kind of, kind of, yeah. But the dystopian feel of the game is so awesome because when you first start the game, the game adds up all the money that the corporation has spent on outfitting you to be able to do your job. And the total comes out to like three and a half billion. And so the, your first task is to work off your, your loan to the company. Okay. Well, if it's truly dystopian, that task can never be completed. Well, it can't be completed if you follow all the rules. So that's, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. But it is, it, it's very Brazil-like, which is one of my favorite all-time movies. Uh, it's okay. that idea that you're kind of stuck into the hamster wheel and the expectation is you're going to do what you're told, but there are elements around you that seem to be rebelling and you always have to be trying to make a choice between sticking something that won't get you in trouble or doing something that may get you in trouble but may change the situation for the better. But in general, you're probably going to fail. It, but yet, you still have to keep working. It kind of reminds me of a a short game that I played called Papers, Please, mm. which is you play as that sounds like a fun. It, you play as a border guard in they they don't specifically name where, but it's effectively mm. the Soviet border or or Nazi Germany mm-hmm. or something. A, a border guard in an authoritarian regime and Ukraine. Okay, yeah, sure. sure. Your job is to examine the papers of everybody who comes through, decide mm-hmm. whether or not this is is legitimate traffic or is he trying to sneak through. If you get it wrong, then you get punished. If you get punished too many times, then you get taken off to a firing squad. Nice. If you just follow the rules, you're probably going to be okay. But then there's also... The, the other thing that is you have to make money and you get kickbacks for mm-hmm. 
doing certain things right. a certain way. And you pretty much have to have the kickbacks because if you don't, then your family runs out of heating oil. See, I thought you said you didn't like simulation. <laughs> I, I didn't treat it like a simulation. <laughs> oh, well, that's a problem right there. The other thing is I got about 15 minutes in and went, this is triggering me. I need a mod. <laughs> oh, too funny. No, that's, that sounds like a neat idea. Yeah. Very much in that sort of dystopian future or past or whatever, but very much in a dystopian type world. I, I like games like that. I like movies like that. It used to be a lot further away from reality and it was very much a escapism trial kind of thing from reality. I'm kind of feeling like the lines are becoming extremely blurred to where watching Brazil right now feels a lot like watching the news right now. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know that 1984 was a documentary when you watched it the first time, did you? Well, it was an instruction manual, apparently. Yeah. I mean, it's not what I was taught. I was taught that this is the vision of the future to avoid and and uh, why it's important to leave the Soviet Union and move to a free country like the United States. Yes, yes. My favorite political slogan from a couple of years ago was make Orwell fiction again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Luke, the the guy that's on, uh, on Timcast, uh, it's got a t-shirt company that has that on his t-shirts. Yeah. So... Make 1984 fiction again. You've been listening to Game Talk with Gene and Ryan. <laughs> yeah, the, apparently the two most uh, angry and disliked people on the internet, if you uh, believe some of the comments. I it, Couldn't tell listening to this. I, I think that, well, that's because we were not doing a show that anybody's going to listen to. They're like, ah, oh, video games, those nerds. I think, well, I think no, honestly, they, if, not... if people hate your show and people hate my show, then... There is one thing in common with those shows that really people should be turning all their ire toward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is. Darren. Oh, well, that's true. I mean, he is kind of like the glue that binds all the bad shows together. Yeah. He even Fair appeared enough. on Rare Encounter yeah. once. I heard about that. I did not listen to that episode. <laughs> but he does tend to have his haters. But nobody seems to hate him, amazingly. Because every donation that comes in makes a point of saying that they like Darren. I hate him. I'll, I'll, I'll rag on him over and over again. <laughs> yes. If you, if you hate Darren, please donate to this episode <laughs> just to let us know that yeah. you hate Darren. Because otherwise he's under this delusion that everybody loves him and just hates his co-hosts. Nobody hates Larry. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know, man. I, th I think Larry's got his distractors too. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Well, well you, you'll, the list will be in the show notes. Of the detractors? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yes, we'll send you a list if you donate. We'll just reply back for your donation with the list. How's that? Yes. No, and I'm kind of making fun of the whole donating thing because you, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that the donations have been pretty high and dry lately, which I agree with. Well, in, I, in a I down economy, charity that. is always the first thing to go. Yeah, it, it, it exactly. Exactly. Of course, it didn't stop $100 from showing up for my show with the, the lovely Darren, who seems to be who everybody loves, but also with comments talking about him, not me. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I do my, all my shows because I enjoy the people that I'm talking to, whether it's a one-off interview. And, and because you don't have to worry about whether or not you can afford heating fuel, remember? <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, if I had to rely on podcast income for heating fuel, I would probably not be focusing energy on doing a podcast. I'd be focusing energy on staying warm. That's what I've got the cat on my lap for. Well, that's the, and the cat's got its electric blanket for that reason as yes. well. 
That's how the cat is really like a capacitor. The, the cat is heat. actually using me for energy. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Cats, although they do run warmer than people. So I'm not sure how that works. I, 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 they're also covered with fur most of the time. Mm-hmm. Unless you have one of those weird variety of cats. I don't think those are cats. I think those fall into the Chihuahua category. I tend to agree. My ex-wife was really into that style, but to me, it's kind of like God didn't intend us to see what's underneath cat fur. <laughs> it's just not right. I mean, a naked cat is like watching a naked old man. It's just not something you ever want to look at. Yes, and yet every time I go into the bathroom before my shower. Well, that's that's a choice you're making on, on your own. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Re- I could have the option of never the showering? Mirror. Remove the mirror. Uh- I'll just suggest to my wife that I'm never going to shower again. We'll see how that well that I'm, works. Well, I'm sure she'd love that. But I'm pretty sure you can shower with your eyes closed if you really tried. You might be onto something. Yeah, there. That you can go by feel. Like you get, you get that soap in one hand and whatever you're using in the other hand, the loofah. And if that's what you uh, call I'm yours. Sure, sure. You could go by feel. Well, I mean, sure, it's a, it's a European name, but why not, right? Johnson loofah, whatever. Right. Okay. But it, it enough sex talk. It's a yeah. Well, it's, we are getting into leisure suit Larry territory here. So as far as tech shit, which is the main reason I actually wanted to have you on, because oh, yes. people told me I didn't have enough tech. Yes, we are. So we are in, burying in the lead. Here's about. the interesting part. Anybody who's got this far in now that you need to fast forward to an hour forty five. That's exactly right because the, it was a long introduction, but now the introduction's over. So let's get to the meat and the potatoes. Okay. So. Microsoft is fucked. Looks like Elon Musk wants to create a new phone and fuck Apple over. What what do you think is going to be happening in the next two, three years as far as... So well, I'm pleased it, that, that all the news is good. I, I am as well. I am as well. I, I want to make sure we take it in the right light. Just because a large megacorp is fucked doesn't mean things are bad. I suppose it does for the people that work there, but otherwise, not necessarily a bad so thing. So what, how, how, what, what exactly, just for the people who haven't followed... How do you consider Microsoft to be fucked? Well, Windows 11 was a dismal failure. That was the rule of even. Yeah, yeah. But they've got, their market share has stopped growing. And I know that you would think, well, so what? They got huge. Yes, they did. But generally what happens when the market share stops slowing, just look at Facebook, is the demise both of stock price and of the future activities that company is in sight. Now, Microsoft have been through this a couple of times and they've managed to squeeze out of it by creating something new and of, different. And of, of all the really huge companies, Microsoft, I think, is the only one, maybe Apple, who have been around long enough to have experienced full cycles of market saturation yeah. and then need to come up with new product lines. It's, yeah, and they've made large mistakes that they've seemingly recovered the, from, but each of those has cost them. Windows is, oh, the the share of Windows is not getting larger. Well, that happens when you control almost the whole market. It, you, there's right. there's nowhere to grow. When when you run almost all the computing, dev- all the desktop computing devices in the world, I mean, if you look at all computing devices, Android is by far the biggest, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the rise of Android, the shift both to iOS and Android Which, and Apple now making their own processors that are running their own OS 
I think that the, I mean, Intel is another company to start watching, see what they do as, as there's some bad writing on the wall for them. But, but Microsoft, if they can't sell you a new version of Windows at least every three years, they're taking a major financial hit. Well, the uh, Windows 10 came out, what, 2015. So mm -hmm. yep. they, they hadn't sold anything since then. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things kind of leading to the, the stagnation that could very easily start the company tumbling down the hill. I mean, there's a lot of people um, out there who are like, Windows 11, okay, but what does it offer me? I'll just stick with this, especially when you want money. Yeah. Well, even they're, they're even trying to give it away and people aren't taking it. I just saw a message the other day pop up when I rebooted that says, you're all set and ready to upgrade to Windows 11 for free. You meet all the criteria. We'd love to get this started. Just click yes. Oh, you poor man. And then You're, you've got one of those in a TPMs. little corner. In a little corner, there's a little button that says no. Keep me on Windows 10. <laughs> my, Which, my for gaming purposes, I absolutely cannot go to Windows 11, even if I wanted to, and I don't. But a lot of games are not compatible with Windows. Well, 11. You're, you're speaking with somebody who's never seen one of those pop-ups on my machine for the simple fact that. Well, I pay for my Windows. I, so. I paid for my Windows too. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm just windows NT maybe I'm just not running windows 10. I'm still running windows 8.1 there. Yeah. 8.1. You gotta be kidding me. No, it was the, that was the wow. last version before windows 10. Wow. Yeah. I didn't run windows eight at all. Uh, yeah. Lots of people did. That's like I said, the rule I of ran evens. windows seven and then I moved to 10. That's the, the rule of evens. People, People loved XP, although when XP first came out, people absolutely despised it. But XP was on the market for so long, people came to like it. Mm -hmm. And then everybody's like, oh, Vista sucks. And then Windows 7 came up, which is is Windows Vista with a few UI changes. And people loved Windows 7. And then 8 came out. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't want to go to that. And then 10 yeah, comes out. Sucked, and people yeah. think, oh, well, Windows 7's mm -hmm. kind of old. And Windows 10, it looks shiny again. It's every other operating system for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, it could be. So what, what do you think? Windows 12 will be the one that people adopt? I don't know. Well, first of all, I have no idea what Microsoft's going to call it. For all I know, it's going to be Windows 11.3 for work groups or something. But I think they've given up on work groups. <laughs> but what, so what else, what else is kind of hitting your bandwidth here as far as techie shit? Because uh, most of my tech most of the things is around video games. Most of the things that, that really get me ranty, I either, I bring up on one of my two shows, the angry tech news is the one for very, very technological stuff that that has problems like, like slipping into this so Silicon pretend Valley. There's somebody dystopia. listening to this. That's never heard of that okay. show. Give us this vulnerabilities, personal security. I harp on that a lot. I always try to like almost every episode. I try to bring a story about some kind of data breach. The reason that I do that is not because I think that any particular data breach is interesting. So everybody ought to be running NordVPN is what you're telling people. That would be one way to help protect you, but at a very minimum, you know, they're one of the biggest honeypots out there. Okay. This sounds like a discussion to be had with Estonia. Darren. Well, I'm just saying they're running out of Estonia. I, I, I wouldn't trust those I genuinely don't know. I, Darren is definitely the VPN person. But there mm -hmm. are some really simple things that you can do. For example, the number of people, I think that the last analysis I saw was something like 65% of people still use the same password on multiple sites. Mm -hmm. um, use, use a different password. Use strong passwords. Use a... 
the human brain is, has difficulty comprehending what a lot of people consider a strong password. Now that can be combated significantly by using past phrases instead of random characters. Random characters are easy for computers to learn and know and guess, but hard for humans to comprehend. Uh, if you use a yep. phrase like quantum ducats, boobies, drug, then humans can understand, can, can comprehend phrases. So that is a great way to do it. That, that really increases the password length, the full words, whatever it, it, but probably the best thing you can do is a password manager because. So I, I have a slightly different take on okay. this. I don't think there's anything wrong with using the same password on every website. The issue is well, don't use the same email address on every website. If every website that you log on, that you have a login to has the same password, but a different email address. That is an interesting take. There is no way to build the But how are you varying of, the email addresses? I generally will incorporate the name of the website into the email address. Do you run your own for email? Yeah. No, I use Proton. Okay. And you, you create a new account for each one? That... It's just an alias. I mean, they all come to the same sure. box. Well, the reason I ask is that there's the, the stock Gmail trick that like if your name is, is gene at gmail.com, and then you could say yeah. gene plus Amazon at gmail.com gene plus Pornhub right. at email.com or Gmail, whatever. And mm -hmm. you can do that and it gets you a lot, but there are certainly people analyzing that. So here's the vulnerability. Yeah. I've never, I've never really encountered changing up emails as, as a means of changing your credentials. They do. It does help and, mm -hmm. and using different credentials per site is good. I would still recommend different passwords as well, because the email is in plain text and is not a particularly powerful security measure. It's just a mm -hmm. security through obscurity, which those are really great until it catches on. And once people realize, Hey, this person is using gene Pornhub, gene, no agenda, whatever, then they yep. start to, I mean, it's easy enough for somebody. Well, to throw you, it out. you don't want to use gene Pornhub. You just want to use Pornhub. Maybe I, I actually use my own domain hey, for a lot of things. If you, yeah, exactly. Well, you should be using your own domain. That's well, yes, but that right. makes it but, really easy to analyze and, and compare. Somebody's like, well, but, but what you're getting at is somebody would have to look at a list of the passwords and then order the breakdown in their list of buy the same password and then come up with a, an algorithm that says, well, all of these same passwords seem to be coming from the same domain. So, and then that probably means something subversive. It, it, the way these algorithms typically work. And I, I mean, I'm sure you've been on there. If you get on the dark, I, net, you I've, can buy I've a written huge these list of passwords. Yeah. And so what you're looking for is you're looking for a bunch of emails that match and then the passwords. And if those passwords are the same, then bingo. Now you can use that so, as a very easy to query way to get into people's the, accounts. The, the vulnerability, it's, it's worth more money. The vulnerability we're concerned about here is data breaches. If a company loses their password database. Now, if, mm -hmm. if the company has an IT person that is worth their job at all, then the passwords are hashed. And even right. better if they're salted, but that's not salted, nearly yeah. common enough. Mm -hmm. The the people to run the fuck away from, by the way, this is just a, a real quick tip. 
is any site that, well, okay, any site that has, for example, a maximum password length. If they have a maximum password length, then the most common reason for that is because they're not storing your password hashed. They're storing the password, and that's the maximum length of the SQL field. Well, and I'll, I'll give you another reason. It's because some security professional told them that if you don't put a maximum length in, you're probably more likely to have a SQL injection attack happening. Well, obviously, you sanitize your shit. Or just feed it into your hash algorithm because you, like you're not, that you hopefully your hash algorithm isn't implemented in SQL. The only thing, the <laughs> only thing that somebody should be doing with a password is hashing it, period. Mm-hmm. That's the, you, you get a password field. The only thing you should do is hash it. So if I want to put in a 40 character password and somebody says, oh, sorry, your password's too long then you're right. There are other possible explanations, but the most common explanation for that is that you are trying to store that password somewhere. And so yep. the vulnerability is that it, the question is never if somebody gets their database exfiltrated, it's when, and when they store the full credentials name and password, then those credentials are now out on the dark web. But even if they store just a hash, then what you have is usually your, your ID, which is generally an email address and either a password or a hashed password. And somebody will go out Mm -hmm. on the dark web and buy up a database of a hundred thousand of these, which is usually somebody's password database comes out. They're like, I'll take a hundred thousand for 20 bucks on the dark web, whatever. No, it's more Mm -hmm. like, more like 5,000 Satoshis, whatever it is. Once they have that, they will go ahead and feed it to their bot, which will go to the login page for every site, usually whatever site they really want to get into. And they will replay the name and password from that entire breach. Why? Because if you use the same password somewhere, it'll let you in and changing up either the name or the password defeats that attack. But it's easy enough to change the algorithm a little bit to do some analysis, throw some AI at it to insert ad for, for CSB's account or AI show here to it's, Oh, hell no. No advertising. <laughs> We're an ad-free network here. Mine too, which is why CSB doesn't talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. But you, you, it's easy enough to switch up the algorithm to analyze email addresses and look for common domains, common names, whatever. Now, you, you might be able to defeat this by having completely random email addresses and the same password everywhere. But how is that mm-hmm. easier to use than having different passwords? Well, I, I think it is better because the most common and the most simple, which is why it's the most common way, is to sort by email address. So what's what you're going to buy or sell on the dark web is a and already been pre-sorted by tools, and it's pre-sorted by like, here's a list of 24 logins for this person. They don't care if it's the same password or different passwords. Here's what we have available through all the different breaches that have happened with the, the email address sb at csb.com. Like here's the, the 15 different breach related records that have come through. So for each of these sites, odds are that he simply changed his password to one of that he used on one of the other sites. So try logging into each one with all the variants of passwords 
that we know he used on other sites. And that works. Statistically, the, odds are pretty damn good. You're going to get that lucky. works if the passwords are in plain text or and there's yeah. a pattern to them. The easiest pattern is the same password everywhere. The second easiest password is a known prefix followed by the name of the site, which, by the way, increases your security mm-hmm. about a hundredfold just doing that. But if yeah. the passwords are in plain text, that's easy enough to defeat. Right. If the passwords are hashed, if, it doesn't matter. Changing one character, right. you've got a completely different hash. Absolutely. Absolutely. But also, if you're using different emails for these websites, then there is no list to build unless somebody decides to specifically look for somebody doing what I'm describing. And there's just way too few people doing it this way for any automated tools to bother. Because what do you, do you really want to have just everybody at AOL? Oh, I'll bet you it's the same person. No, there's a whole bunch of people. I I guess when I say, when I say it's security through obscurity, what I mean is, could this be if if somebody specifically wants to hack you or me, could yeah. they tweak their algorithm such that your security could be defeated simply by listening to this podcast we're recording right now? Absolutely. Okay, then that okay. I will give you using a different email on every site has a lot of benefits. You among other things, if you get spam email then you know exactly, exactly who sold your address. You're, you, what you just <clears throat> described is the original reason I started doing this before I realized it's actually better for security as well, but is to identify. If spam. you're only going to change one, I will still recommend you change the password. However, if you really want the best, then change, have a different, different email and different password for each one. Mm-hmm. And again, it's what I, I use. So here, here's the problem with different passwords, in my opinion, is you run into an issue of people's memory capacity. And so the solution that most people end up using is to trust a third-party software to manage their passwords. And I trust that a lot less than I do my brain. I, you're the only one who, who trusts your brain. <laughs> well, I totally trust my now, brain. The password- my brain is set up in a way that if my brain stops working, then there are certain triggers that go into effect that have indicated that my life has ended. There are... A, no, a lot of different password managers out there right now. The the bulk of them are implemented aiming for convenience, which is, I mean, honestly, if you install a password manager, it's because you want the convenience of not having to memorize all of them. Yep. But a lot of them will aim for and, and build their system around the idea that you want access to it from multiple devices. And so when you want access from multiple devices, multiple places, what does every Silicon Valley company do? Oh, we'll store this in the cloud. That is a big, which is sitting on the That Amazon. is a red flag to me. Yeah. I'm not, I, I <laughs> Amazon, I did a story on the latest angry tech news about the number of apps, which are putting their Amazon AWS credentials hard coded into mm-hmm. the app. Yep. But I am highly skeptical of anybody who decides to store your password database in the cloud. Now the responsible ones will encrypt that database locally where the only mm-hmm. decryption key is your master password and then store yeah. the encrypted database. And now without your master password, they can't do anything with that. That's not bad. That, I mean, it's a, uh, your level of security is always about 
where is your trade-off between security? So what you're saying is when Google's web browser, when whatchamacallit, Chrome asks you, would you like me to save this Fuck password? No. You should say no. <laughs> no, no. The... Because it, it's going to, for your convenience, it's going to save it with Google so that any other device that you're running on that you log in through that account, it'll say, oh, well, yeah. I already know what your uh, password is. Would you like to use your pre-recorded password? Yeah, if you use uh, Firefox to a lesser extent, but if you use the password management feature in your browser, you're basically asking your passwords to be taken away. Now, the yeah. password manager that I use is one called KeePass, and it mm -hmm. the, the reason for using that one is extremely simple. It's the best one that I found wherein the password database is kept in storage that I own. Mm -hmm. I, I use, I use the sync program to sync my password database between this computer, my cloud server that I control, it's co-located and my laptop and wherever else I want to be. And, and it's an encrypted database. I yeah. think that that is, there are, there are ways that you could attack that, but I think that's but a how many pretty people good, go to that effort to realistically, not many. Not many, well, not many no. people have a co-located server. people are server. buying some off-the-shelf product and just going, okay, so it cost me 50 Okay, how many people, though, honestly whatever. have more than one device on which they intend to use all these systems? It. Well, most people have at least two. You got your phone and you got your laptop. Do you log into your, your bank from both? Or something. Yes, I'm not a good example because no. I have 20 devices okay. that I might log in. From. I, I, the vast majority of places that I have passwords in my database for, I log in from only one place, and that's right here. Yeah, well, we we discovered that your phone is actually turned off today, much like John C. Dvorak. Yeah, yes, so it, clearly you're not using your phone. My phone, phone has about five times more usability in its current state, shut off in the drawer than when it's annoying the piss out of me because podcasters can't remember what time they wanted to record a podcast. I don't know any podcasters that don't remember things at all. I get all. that. But, but I, I think, and I, if you don't want to use your phone, that's fine. But, but I also don't think that that's typical. I think most people do use... I agree. I mean, honestly, they probably use their, their phone, but most people, their personal computer. Most people also log into a site... And a work computer. And say, set a forever cookie that keeps me logged in. And then, right, and right, then right. A forget the password. Well, that happens too. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's one strategy that I've, I don't like this strategy. It's not like I'm recommending it, but I've seen it used, which is to put in a completely random Galbraith password that you have no intention of remembering and simply rely on the password reset mechanism. And now your security your is, into now your security is your login to your email and you're back to using one password for everything. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Which admittedly but your email should be different for every given website, that every service if has you listen to me. Given that every service has the password recovery, you're kind of relying on that anyway. That is the weak point. If you yeah, lose your email, yeah. then you've lost most of the services anyway. Yeah, except for Bitcoin wallets, which tend to not want to well, give you your Bitcoin. Bitcoin back wallets if you lose are, your are kind of unique in that if they <laughs> they would rather they would rather have all of your funds be permanently locked away and lost forever. Then mm -hmm. give it to somebody yep. else. Right. So. Yeah. That, because there's a fixed number, limited. Uh, maximum number what other of, tech topics? I could go yeah. on and on and on. Well, I mean, that was a good example. I just want to make sure that people have a, if they're not listening to your yeah. show, that they have a good idea. Of okay. What else do I go on about? I, I have a, a particular craw about a, a self-driving and electric cars. Mm -hmm. I, 
you're for them or against them? I drive a Buick from 2001 that came with a system called OnStar that I disconnected within the first two weeks. And mm-hmm. otherwise, it is a, a car that is made of metal. It uses an internal combustion engine. The only computers in it control the timing of the the pistons or pistons. No, fuel injected. Yes, yeah, it's pistons. I'm <laughs> not a car person. I don't. I have a lot of issues with modern cars and, and let's, let's put aside the, the two big ones, which is self-driving and, and electric and start with the idea that cars are going onto the smartphone model or the Xbox model mm-hmm. and getting automatic updates. Oh, it's beyond that. They're not only getting automatic updates. If you look at the new Mercedes Benz, their features are activated at any time, yeah. as soon as you start paying a monthly subscription fee. Yeah. And this, See, is, that's, this is really pissed off a lot of car heads. Yeah. That where is a, you can get a car from Mercedes it, where it will be limited in its horsepower unless you want to unlock the high performance mode, which is 50 bucks a month forever. Yeah. In which case, they send a little message to your car that says, go ahead and unlock that. And your car, which is already there physically, now is allowed to utilize its high performance mode. And if that is an argument to not get a Mercedes for me, I, but the if they're practice, doing it, everybody else is going to start doing and it. And when I finally get a car that has that capability, it will be because I've figured out how to hack it. And this, this goes back to something that I decided a really long time ago with most of my software. And, and it's, this has been a, a trope in open source for a very long time. And that is if I do not have the ability to modify the software in something, then it's not my device. And I, I hate that cars are going that way, but I'm not going to own a car that doesn't have software I can modify. And, and mm-hmm. if that means that I, I can never take a car that has auto updates, I, at some point when the last 1972 gas guzzler has finally given up the ghost. I'm going to have to come up with a new way to get around, but I don't trust Silicon Valley with my software. There, there are just too many examples of where, and, and I, I use Silicon Valley. It doesn't have to be that region, right. but I mean, it's, it's a catch all term yeah. for big technology companies who behave in such a way that the user is a surf who will just take what you ha- have and, yeah, anyway, so yeah, well, it's the, it's the Photoshop model where they went from selling an expensive product that you own to leasing you a less expensive product, which over the course of three years ends up being more expensive when, than what you used yeah, to buy. Yeah, unless you find a way to hack it. So yeah. I am against cars that have software that you don't get to control, and I know all of these opinions are are against the the mainstream against the widespread opinion against what Silicon Valley wants. And also they've got a lot of lawyers making sure that patent law holds up behind them or copyright law. The John Deere tractors where farmers are not capable of fixing their own things because it's protected by copyright. Right. That is fucked up. I, I definitely approve of right to repair. And, and I feel that right to repair is a, an extension of the first sale doctrine, which is you sold the fucking thing to me. Now it's mine. I get to do what I want with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that eventually what that'll do is either the farmers will vote with their pocketbooks and say, 
we've always bled green, but now we're going to bleed red. Or it's going to result in John Deere just saying, we're no longer selling any tractors. We're only leasing tractors. And there are going to be a lot of people that go both ways. This is why competition is fantastic, which is why we always need competition. Every time that you have one of these technologies taking off like John Deere, like Apple, it's always in a place where people can't just leave the platform because they're locked in one way or another. And that lock-in is the antithesis of capitalism. Yeah. And you're quite right in calling it a surf mentality because that is literally what happened in serfdom in, in prior times is that the landlords held the land. That's what they were the Lords of the land. And then the serfs would lease the land from the landlord. And as part of that lease agreement, provide the landlord with their first crops, their first wives, their first whatever. So yeah. effectively the, the original, they got what was left The original over. EULA. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. End <laughs> user license agreement. Correct. Yeah, that that was definitely created by the the lords for the surf. So and we're getting well, we're I think we're getting back to that because a lot of companies are finding that is similar and I've half jokingly but half not jokingly have made this argument over the last 5 years that we are really getting back into a sort of a tech serfdom. It's, it's the industrial revolution all over again. It's company towns. It's it's if you want to work in this town, you've got to work for the mine and then you'll be in debt for yeah. every day of your life to the company store. I mean, we've got that, yeah. but now they're all now it's a virtual mine and a virtual company store and we're all tethered to the little device in our pockets. Well, and then when I when I went to visit friends at Facebook here in Austin and other companies are very similar. It is absolutely the company store and the company dining room and the company sleeping pods and the company. <laughs> yeah. Like you never have to leave. Not that they expect a whole lot of work out of you, but what they do expect is a complete giving over of your well, free they, will. They also do this the because there are plenty of statistics that say if you don't have to leave, if, if you don't yeah, have to commute, if you don't, especially when you preferatorily hire people with no family, no ties, no, right. no outside. Again, one of those many hiring practices that can never be proven, but is widely aware kind of right next to age discrimination is in the technological mm-hmm. sphere, the preferential hiring of people who are single, the preferential hiring where you you discriminate against anybody who has a family. You discriminate against anyone who has kids. For a while early on, until at least until my state had banned the, the asking the question, a lot of people would ask women, do you intend to ever have kids? Which mm-hmm. is a big flag that says, oh, there's going to be something more important than this person's life than the, fa- than the company. Yeah, but you can't blame the business for doing that because obviously the whole point is to be more competitive than the people you're competing against. And why would you hire somebody that's going to disappear for nine months out of the year? I can blame the business for it. I can blame anybody for anything I want. Well, I I think it's a scummy practice. It's an irrational argument. I I think it's a really crappy, scummy practice. I I am not going to back down from that. Now, do I think that there should be that, that the government should step in with fines and ultimately backed up by people with guns to force the company to change what they do. That is another discussion entirely. But is, are the people who decide that they want to favor only 
I don't think it's the people deciding. I think it's the consumer deciding. You have two ident- identical companies. They're making competitive products. One of them what? has leave for their employees. And during the times that their employees are gone to rear kids or whatever, they're going to be, that company is going to have less productivity because they have to either work with fewer employees or they have temporary employees that don't know the business as well. Whereas the other company that isn't doing that is able to run more efficiently. And generally that translates into them being able to undercut the price of the other business. And the consumers are ultimately the ones that will pick and they always pick the company that is able to provide an identical product for a cheaper price. Just look at China. You're making a a competition argument and I respect that, but you're only making the argument from one side because there's another market that is really important here to consider, which is the the market of employment of jobs. Ultimately, you're you're looking at this from the buyer's side, the company who is purchasing the services of an employee. And on the if if what what you're arguing is that the company that abuses their employees and ruins their work-life balance is going to succeed. And to an extent, there is definitely pressure in that direction. But also if well, if I mean Amazon is the case study for the, this. You, you also start built his company on. You that also practice. started that with an assumption. I'm not sure. I always agree on, which is that you you said that in, in two identical companies who are competing against mm-hmm. each other, and that is yeah. that is one thing that Silicon Valley will not abide. So, well, I, I, I guess it doesn't have to be. It's it's two identical companies to make the argument simpler. Yeah, to I take understand. The it was it was a hypothetical it. situation. I'm just saying that competition but is not. Amazon what, is the real world case study for this because, and I think they are not doing this as much today. I have friends at Amazon, and certainly it sounds like the current environment is a lot closer to other big companies like Google. But the way that Amazon built itself in the first decade of its life was absolutely by hiring people that would work harder. What Elon Musk just did at Twitter and what he has done in his previous companies, it says for us to be able to survive and flourish, everybody's going to need to stay at work for 60 hours a week moving forward. Yeah. If you can't do that, and and that's okay. I'm not going to hold it against you. You just need to leave this company and so find my, work somewhere my, else. My argument is that 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 position on the part of a company is beneficial in competition to other companies for the products, Mm -hmm. but is only feasible so long as there are people willing to accept those terms. And if you have your, your competitor, not your competitor in, in the goods market, but your competitor in the job market across town who says, we're going to give you higher benefits and we're not going to, we're only going to demand 45 hours a week. And we also are closer to where you live and have free daycare. There are going to be places where people are like, fuck this job that requires me to do 60 hours. And if enough people are like, if enough people say, yeah, I totally want that job. Then, then the company that demands it is going to be doing very well. Yeah. And, and what Amazon did in that scenario is something very, it's become a monopoly and put all of their competition out of business. Well, that's that's the other smart thing I did. And I, by the way, I don't like Amazon, but I can recognize the successful steps they've taken to become what they are right now. As much as we can dislike what they are, 
they were successful as getting there. What they've done is very interesting, which is they first capped all salaries at, I think initially it was 125000 a year, and then it was 150000 a year. But essentially everybody, regardless of your level, made less than that. Nobody in the company made any more than that. So how do you get people to work harder, especially people that are at higher levels within their careers that have more experience and would commend a higher salary elsewhere, is you make up the difference with stock. And by granting them stock instead of simply a higher wage, you're more closely tying them to the company's welfare. The ability of the company to flourish is so directly related to these people doing a better job. Is, is than that not their just another form of lock-in, but this one is, is of course, in, of course, injected I'm not into the, that it's not, you know, whether you get a high salary or, or more stock options or a better benefits package or, or free food in the cafeteria is all mm-hmm. just the value proposition. And somebody who is yeah, analyzing rationally will weigh them all. That, Absolutely. And, uh, that, but that you're kind of making my point for me, which is what I was saying initially, is that <laughs> the reason that these companies are acting like the company store, that they're, they want people to stick around and sleep at work and eat at work and do everything else at work, is because they, they know the outcome of having people available 24-7 on their job, even if it's not actually utilized 24-7, but just that availability gives them a competitive advantage that competitors who don't do this just don't have dystopian future is built because ultimate efficiency in business results in dystopia you can't have one without the other if you take the best case scenario for every decision in business you end up with dystopia well under under the monopolistic model i agree with that in theory the the assumption, and I'm not certain that this is true, but the assumption underlying capitalism being functional is that there is always somebody else willing to enter the market and and come up with their yeah. ideas. And in just about every case that there is a legitimate failure of capitalism and not not like the what the, the Reddit anti-capitalist people will shout about, which is generally an intentional result of crony capitalism, but- Every legitimate yeah. failure of capitalism comes from a lack of competition, whether that lack of competition was caused by some kind of natural market forces, which is uncommon, but does happen. Or more often, it's caused by one of the larger companies, one of the larger existing firms is locking out all new competition. The most common method that they use to lock it out is government regulation. Yep. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. I think that it's unfortunate that governments are so easily manipulated by companies, but again, it is completely understandable why a company would commit money into getting government to help them. Like that's obvious. From, of course you from, would yes, do that. From if, the perspective, if it's legal, why wouldn't which, you do which, it? Which the argument you've just made is not that and I'm I'm attacking a straw man here because you have not made the argument I'm about to approach. But a lot of people will say, well, we need to restrict the companies even further because they're using government to do awful things. That's not mm-hmm. the solution. For one thing, you're you're trying to fight too much government with more government, but also because you cannot temper human greed. And if you could, you yep. would ultimately destroy humanity, which is what you see in, say, socialist societies. 
the solution though well, to, I, I I would say you're shifting greed, not tempering in a social society. I, There's always somebody greeding. It's usually yeah, people in well, charge. Well, you, because because your your socialist utopia cannot come without corruption, because you've added humans, and humans fuck up every utopia. Yep. But the solution to oh look, people are using government to hurt other people is not add more government to make them stop. The solution is how about we reduce the amount of government that people have to wield. And nobody gets that. Yep. Yeah, very few people. I, I totally agree with you on that. And it's it is the the logical course of action in that scenario. Which is why nobody is, gets uh, it. Absolutely right. <laughs> because yeah. it's logical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, uh, unfortunately, this is a topic that yeah I think uh, starts to rile a lot of people up because everybody thinks they're logical. Everybody Not thinks everybody all the decisions thinks. they're making. Well, if somebody doesn't think, they probably are more logical than most people. Could be. Most people lead because with the amygdala. Most people who are not logical absolutely think that everything they're doing is rational and, and based in most logic. Most people lead with their amygdala and follow it up with the hypothalamus, and then the hippocampus never really gets involved. Well, by that point, what's the what's the point? So, yeah. It's been made emotionally. I, I do a tech show. There's lots of themes that I, I harp on. Let's see. And where can people catch Angrytechnews.com. And that... And then there's links to the RSS. Uh, there, there is. It, if you... The, I have I have both the reliquial alternate, which is not going to make sense to people who aren't technical, but it means that your device can find an RSS feed automatically. And if you can't, there's a button that says subscribe to RSS. And if you want to play mm -hmm. it off the website, then, no worries there. My, my bandwidth and is if paid they, for. Nice. And if they want to just use their phone like most people and add it to their podcast or well, thing. If you, if you have a podcast app that knows how to speak RSS, it works. If you have yeah, a new podcast I mean, app that, in, that knows how to send money, uh, Satoshi's to RSS, that works too. <laughs> That's I do have, but you're, you're listed in all the directories. I am listed too, right? in, I am listed in podcast index. I That's have it? never taken out time to submit myself to any other directories now, which means I'm not going to be in Spotify and I don't think I'm in Apple. I believe Google podcasts. Yeah, Spotify. yeah well, fuck Apple too. I do believe Google mm. podcasts has been incorporating RSS feeds from podcast index. So they, I think I'm in that one. Yeah. I think they're stealing feeds yeah. left and right, but I have never personally submitted my feed to Apple because okay. I refuse to even create an account with Apple. I refuse to interact oh, with Apple in any, boy. any personal way. So you and Elon yeah, well, Musk. fuck Apple and fuck their antiquated directory that needs to go away. The podcast index is superior yeah. in pretty much every way. And also is it, it would trying be to nice control if you? they just adopted it, but obviously they're However, if your app is worth having on your phone, then it speaks RSS. And if you go to angrytechnews.com with your phone and click on the RSS feed, your phone will know what to do with it. And if your app doesn't know what to do with that or insists on going to some other directory, then uninstall that bitch and go to nudepodcastapps.com to install something real. Yeah. And uh, since you're listed on there, any of the dozen plus podcasting apps that talk to podcasting 2.0 and podcast index well you'll be oh, able sir. to find the podcast if well. you look up my name and if you look that, up my name ryan bemrose or you look up angry tech news you will find it i had yeah. i had one other topic um, that i wanted to rant about sure uh, go for and it. it has to do with the donations to podcasts and actually i have no need to talk about it so maybe i shouldn't but what is your position on advertising in podcasts 
Okay, so I don't know that I have a typical position on this. I think that from a listener perspective, I enjoy consuming content with no advertising. Okay, so you're you're just like everybody else. I, well, I will do what I can to get. Nobody likes it. ads. Like, I pay you, I pay YouTube thirteen bucks a month to never see an ad. Most people I run don't an do ad that. blocker to never They'll see take an ad. the ads, which doesn't always work. And I don't want Actually, to have that one in a hundred chance that well, it's not. I also work. don't visit YouTube so, so that I don't see an ad. There you go. There you go. So I ensure that doesn't happen. I typically will fast forward through sections of advertising on podcasts or other things that I didn't like. I can't get rid of ads any other yeah. way. So I will skip them. I, the, including host the reads? One, oh yeah. Including host reads with the one exception probably being no agenda simply because the bickering and conversation that goes on during the donation segments quite often is hilarious. Do, do you think no agenda is um, unique? On they're rare. I don't think they're unique, but I think they're pretty damn rare. There are a few people that do in video ads. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, but one smart thing that NordVPN's current ad agency did is they challenged the people that are signed up to be NordVPN shills they they said, don't just read our copy. We're going to have a contest with substantial dollars behind it for the most creative NordVPN ad that you make yourself. And so what you've seen almost overnight, oh, over the last month, is everybody doing really more interesting, more creative ads for the same company that they've always had ads for. But instead of reading identical text, they're doing it the old school, 1930s radio style, which is where the host actually has to come up with something witty and interesting to incorporate the product itself. But most podcast hosts hosts aren't witty. True story. But nonetheless, I think stuff like that I'm okay with. But in general, I mean, if we could have a system where, and by the way, I think Elon Musk may end up creating this. And like in a way that it gets adopted fast. Adam's creation of podcasting 2.0, I think is great. I think that he's ahead of the curve as he's been for most of his life on a lot of things. And I, I love the adoption that has happened with a lot of these podcast apps that allows the use of sending of Bitcoin via Satoshi uh, directly and in real time. That is awesome. It'd be great if the big players adopted that as well. They're not going to do that unless they can stick their fingers unless in the they middle can of it control and get it. at least 30% yeah. share. That's what Apple charges for most things is 30%, yes. which is, by the way, better than what like Amazon charges for Twitch, yeah, well, which is they get 40% the, the, the 30%, of anything that you donate. The 30% donate. thing is, is one of the first reasons why I will not touch anything Apple. Yeah. So Apple gets their chunk. Elon Musk is on a kind of a a bit of a rant lately saying this is ridiculous. 10% might be fair, but there's no way 30% is fair. We need to make sure the people creating the content are the ones getting the money, not these networks. And, and, and how about and the people sort of hinted how about at the people creating the content creating, and the people consuming it being the ones to decide what's fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to adjust the I mean, slider that, as to where that split is, but I, I've made that argument for podcasting 2.0 right on in the early days. Like in, once that thing was created within a few months by Dave Jones, I said, I don't like this idea of like the breakdown of percentages being set by the either podcaster or the app. I, I agree. Because the way it was set up originally is it's like, well, the podcaster sets it for, ten, I don't know, 10 Satoshis per minute or whatever. 
and they won't have to go to the podcast or uh, 10% to go to the guy doing something, the artwork, and then uh, 10% to this person. And then that 100% block goes to the app, and then the app says, and we want a 10% or a 15 or 20% override. Yeah. So they'll take the first 10 or 15 or 20% as the app creator. I can't get... Then the, they'll send the rest, and then the rest is divided up according to the podcast. I can't... I think the whole thing ought to be decided by the well, listener. Well, I, I do too, but how will the listener decide? I, the The app is the mechanism by which the listener interacts with that. I'm not too worried about yeah. apps ripping listeners off for the simple fact that there is competition in the app space, and this is good. Mm-hmm. I will also tell you that when uh, when I eventually, pie in the sky, write my own podcast app, the listener will be in charge entirely. What what I'll probably end up doing, because and, and I know this is going to annoy Adam and Dave, because they've very much discussed <laughs> that apps shouldn't do this, but... The app that I want, and therefore the one that I would write if I wrote one, is yeah. If you got to draw your if I ever stopped playing so many video games, is it loads up the value block with the splits that the podcaster recommended, and those become defaults, and mm-hmm. then they are modifiable yep. by the user. Because well, you're going to write my app then, because that's exactly because what the user about. is is absolutely the one who needs to decide where their money is going. That's that yeah. that's the value for value model. I don't if I if I take my podcast and say, okay, actually 90% of it is going to Gene. Actually, I wouldn't do that. But if you yep. hacked my podcast and made it so 90% goes to Gene, <laughs> all of the apps would right. be even for the people who hate Gene, they would have no choice but to send you all the money. Yep. Yep. So No, I I I agree. And this way you could have somebody like a CSB donating to a show with somebody he hates on it. And then designating all the money to be funneled there, to the other There person. is something more structural that bothers me about the splits. And and I know that you, you know about this because you were one of the first people who really called out the problem. And that is, it's an integer from one to a hundred. Yeah, the rounding. And yeah. it, it needs at the very least to be a floating point. Because if yeah. I want to say... This per if I have say a very very successful podcast that brings in one bitcoin per episode, m- yep. maybe I don't think maybe I want to toss something to the the guy who wrote the the chapters app for my app, but maybe they don't mm-hmm. need point oh one bitcoin for every episode. Yeah, and well, and it's not just that; it's when you're breaking down into small time allotments. This is where I noticed it is when you were doing literally 10 sets per yes. minute and, and the donations started rounding, you, you went from somebody getting 15% to then them getting 20% because it rounded up to the now, two I, cents from one and a half Again, cents. that sounds like a problem that can be solved in an app if the app start because the app yeah. will, somebody will look at this and go, this isn't right. And the app might start batching so that it can reduce rounding errors. It's well, that was my proposed and, solution. If you start batching, then it's, the, the problem that I have the, that I called out is actually a fundamental problem with the value spec itself, which is that field is an integer. Right. And, yep. and you can't fix that. If, if again, I'm thinking like a developer and, and I may never write yeah. such an app, but if I would, I always think about how would I design it? And I can well, and it 
it it can still be an integer. It just has to be an integer not from one to a hundred in one percent increments. It needs to be an integer in one hundredth of a percent. So you've got six digits that make up a one hundred percent mark. I think it needs to be a floating point number because it can be I can give somebody a point zero 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 I can give somebody a one one hundred millionth share. For every full Bitcoin that yeah. is donated to my podcast, I will send a Satoshi to this person, but they are in the split. And that does a couple things. One one of the things that it does is it's, I appreciate you, but okay, that that particular number means that For practically- For a millionth of my money, I yeah, appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate you, but this is such a small, it, it's like giving a penny at, at your waitress's table or something. But, but the other thing that it opens up is the ability to have things like BoostBot without giving them a full 1% of your revenue. If right. you may not be familiar with BoostBot, it's a thing in the troll room, which you, you claim to have been banned from, and I don't have any reason to dispute. I was banned in real time. I've never been allowed back I, on. I've, I've heard this, but BoostBot is an IRC bot, which is, it's very cool. It, every time somebody boosts your channel, it announces in IRC. Now, if you think that's valuable, then you put BoostBot in your splits. And now the way that it knows this is it gets a 1% split and it gets a, a transaction in Lightning every time. That's great. But what if I don't want it to have a full 1%? What if I just want BoostBot to be notified and don't need to give money? Yeah. Then I can give you, what if I say you're in my split, I'll give you a, a 0. 0.001 or something. I don't know. Anyway, that. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And you want that super fine level. I, I want uh, the granularity and I don't see why it should be yeah. restricted to an arbitrary precision when it doesn't have to be. Fair enough. But I, I think ultimately it's still going to end up being restricted to an arbitrary precision. It's just I propose well, in, that precision in the implementation, it will always be restricted to some precision because the precision can't be. In, but I don't yeah. see why in the spec. That it needs well, to be. and and honestly, I think part of it was when the original conversations before any software was written were happening about how this works. Like I don't, like I wasn't there when Adam and Dave were sitting down, but I was there having lunch with Adam right after that, and him talking about exactly. And I I remember talking to him literally after that first meeting. I'm like, dude, what's the deal? I thought you were going to invite me to the the planning meeting. And he's like we want to just kind of hash out the, the technical side of this. And I don't want to put business level restrictions on that. I know you're really good at Gene, So you'd bring to the table right away. And he was probably right about that in, in that I would have pointed out all the problems that I saw from a business standpoint in the model, which might've discouraged them enough to just say, fuck it. We're not going to do it. I've but, done that with a number of companies. So I know I'm capable of doing that. I'm I'm a realist, so I tend to bring up real problems to people. And when they realize those actually exist, they sometimes have a change well, of heart. I'm, I'm a professional um, so complainer. So I, I totally... So I, I can relate. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I think that there's a certain benefit... And I'm always very careful to explain to people that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a pessimist or a cynic. I just have a capacity to envision more possibilities than what most people are capable yes. of. And when you see more, a lot more of that also is negative. You can, I, I'm not just going to see the glasses full. I'm going to see the entirety of the glass. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I operate too. I, I, I spent many, many years as a professional software tester. It was literally my job to take right. some, you, you got to have to that take somebody's product and, 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 and break it. it. And, 
And what, what that yeah. really means is, is look yeah. at the system and imagine all of the ways it can work and which ways it can fail. And then most of my job was actually demonstrating to people. It, it, once I, you show me your design and I'll be like, okay, well, this is a very cool design. And, and I, I'm, I'm not good at communicating. It's actually one of my weaker points, but well, it makes sense. People always thought, yeah, exactly. People always thought, oh, he's so negative because I would look at this design and I would look and I, in, in a span of 60 seconds of looking at the design or 60 minutes or whatever, I look at mm -hmm. 10,000 possibilities of how this thing could run. And I find 9,372 yeah. where it's going to go great. And another 600 where it, May or may not, but you know it's acceptable. And, and then I find seven different ways that you can make it blow up catastrophically. And so I'll sit there and stare at the design, and then I'll come back and say, "Okay, here's the seven ways that your thing can explode horribly, and you need to fix them." And somebody comes back and say, "Oh, he hates it." No, I don't hate it. And in fact, the first thing I saw was all the ways that it can succeed, but those are boring. And I'm pointing out ways you can make your shit better. Yep. People think I'm negative. Yeah. No, people, people do because most people just aren't capable. Like you, you don't, can't hold it against them. They're not capable Watch of seeing me. all the possibilities. And so when, when you're trying to interact with somebody who can't see what you see. And I understand that. Um, I, I absolutely. You know. and, and by the way, the reason why I was a very good software tester is not because software testing trained me to do that kind of analysis. It's because that was how I am. And it took really well, the software testing, but. Yeah, it was a natural, yeah. natural job. But, it makes sense. Okay. If, if I am in a, a position and, and this is, this has been very difficult for me when I, I find myself nowadays, for example, in a position of telling people why I'm not going to put their podcast on the no agenda stream. And I, I have mm -hmm. to really force myself sometimes to say, to, to remember to point out, because I certainly think about them, but remember to point out okay, this was good. This was good. You do this well, and you do this. And I have to force myself to bring those out first because I know people will not mm -hmm. respond if you don't blow sunshine up their ass in the opening statement. And then yeah. say, yeah, my, but the reason you're not yeah. making it is this. One of my buddies described it as a shit sandwich <laughs> is you, you have to give them like the, the cheese and the lettuce and the ketchup and everything else on top, meaning a, a nice warm opening then you give them the shit in the middle and then you close it up by saying, but I know this is something you can fix. And as soon as you yeah. do, and then we'll have a good, which blah, is blah, a blah. communication so technique you, for fragile people who need their, you yes. lead with their emotions, which I, I know I just sounded really derisive when I said that because I kind of am, but that is most people. And so it's on me to yeah. basically, I suck at communicating like that, but here's the thing, right? I get that I have to be overly flowery in my speech and couch things a certain way, because if I just lead with, here's why your product sucks, a lot of people will tune out. I know that's how it works in the real world. But when yeah. I am at a professional software factory and devs are coming to me because they need me to verify whether their code is shippable or not. I don't mm -hmm. want to spend time on all of the, oh yeah, you did this really well. You wrote a great if statement here. This loop is very tight. Yeah. No, I want to say, of course it's good. You want to ship it and it better be good. Here's the mm -hmm. ways that it's not good. Fix those and it'll be shippable and great. And it, 
Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I really hate, I really, really dislike that I had to do that at the corporation. I get having to do that in real yeah. life because a lot of people, oh, Ryan's all negative. Well, no, Ryan is just saying it like it is and, and ignoring the parts well, that don't being, need to be being said. Being in jobs like that always is it's difficult because you're trying to convey the truth to people. My, I, I spent a lot of time in information security and I was an auditor for a lot of different companies. And when a company is trying to get something closed or pushed out the door or launched and my audits coming back as a, oh yeah, you guys failed us. You need to fix this. You can well imagine and, and then what they're thinking about. The, the next thing they think <laughs> is, damn it, Gene is, Gene is personally responsible yeah, for blocking. I'm the one who's responsible. You are exactly. blocking the product. Exactly. We missed our software launch yeah. because of that asshole yeah, it over there. It is Gene's fault that we didn't get our product out. As if, if you weren't there, then they would have been happier shipping a flawed yeah. product. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is like when you have the capability to see more things than other people and you leverage that capability into work that actually needs that type of ability, quite often you are seen as the bad guy by people who can't do that job because they don't have the capacity. And by the way, one of the reasons why I got out of the corporate software world is that it was pretty obvious that corporate software was moving into a model where yes, they would in fact rather ship a bad product and then fix it in an automatic update later. And in fact, yeah, the, the online connectivity for all software, I think was just a, a life jacket to a lot of crap written software because they all of a sudden could legitimately yeah. say, we'll, we'll fix it. In yeah. the update. And, and nowadays it is in fact, the, the, the corporate line is, yes, we will absolutely ship it bugs and all. And in fact, a lot of companies, Microsoft mm -hmm. included, after right, right about the time I was leaving, they decided to fire all their testers or let go of their testers in Windows and say, hey, everybody, go find new other jobs in the company. And mm -hmm. what happens? Well, congratulations. You installed Windows 10. You're the frontline tester now. And, and yep. that's what people do. That's what they want. There's not space in that model for somebody who is, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just call it perfectionist, somebody who wants the product to be good and can be in a position very early to call out all the ways it can get better. I am now in, in that model. I am literally the person holding up the launch. They want to launch the yep. product. They don't even care. Hey, will it boot? Okay, great. Will, will it operate just well enough that more than 50% of the users won't experience crashes? Okay, then ship it. We'll fix it later. Yep. If they ever do. And that's exactly and, right. And a lot of times and they I don't despise that attitude, but it is the prevailing attitude now that we're in a connected world where everybody can just push out an update whenever they want. And then we get the result like, I want to play Xbox, and oh, I'm sorry for the next half hour, you're taking an update because they didn't test. So I, I remembered my worst version of that story, actually, now of the you waiting for the update is I, I bought Microsoft Flight about two years ago, and I kind of made a little mental agreement with myself and a, a buddy of mine that I wouldn't start playing this game until certain triggers financially hit. It was kind of like a motivational thing, right? So it's like, hey, when I finally check off this box, 
then I'm going to actually play the game. Because buying the game is not a big deal. Spending the time to play it is the big time. Well, side, the, right? the, because your so time should I, be worth more than it, your money. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I finally ran the game like a month or two ago or whatever it was. And I run the game and it's like a loading screen and then it says loading updates. Would you like to take a guess at how many gigabytes of <laughs> updates it had to load from having never been played to two years after uh, release? The, the question, the only question I have is, is it more or less than what was on the, the CD or whatever install media you had? Well, it was downloaded media. I think the game when it was installed was 13 gigabytes. And were there more or less than 13 gigabytes worth of updates to download? There was 132 gigabytes so that would be more. to download. So basically everything they've ever released had to get downloaded that's, and the game couldn't be played until it happened. That's also an happened. awful update and scheme. Even, even with my gig up and down connectivity, I tried it a couple of times where I was like, oh, I'll just leave it in the background for a little while while I'm surfing the web. And I look at it and it's like, five percent well at at, eight percent and i'm like oh my god i finally just left it overnight just to freaking finish on its own over eight hours time period at at one gigabit if if you manage to saturate your theoretical maximum it's still going to take an hour and a half to download 100 megabit yeah there you go yeah 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 and it would and it had to decompress each of these updates once it downloads nothing ever reaches the theoretical maximum yeah, yeah. And each update, the overwrites some portion of the previous update. Well, you'd update think, unless the final works. product on... How much How much is on the disk after the updates? Because if, well, if you don't tell question. me 113 gigabytes, then there was some <laughs> shit they didn't have to download. Uh-huh. Yeah, let me, let me look. That's a good question. I didn't check. So if I go in here, it's on this drive. Drive's almost full. Is... Where did you put it? This is great yeah, dead I, air, by the way. At least say something. I, I'll go ahead and ask uh, another question like then, some. which is if you're okay with the streaming Satoshi's model that came up from podcasting 2.0, then why do you hate CSB so uh-huh. much? Well, first of all, um, I don't hate CSB. I, I have a policy against people that start using name calling in uh, conversations. And so debates. if I call you Gene and that's the, it makes you dislike me. I'm, I might have okay. to ban you I mean, from the I'm troll. Sorry. But no, there are people I look, I've, I've, I've been a, a debater my entire life. You're, uh, you're a master, a master debater, it. in fact. Exactly. And so I don't mind that happening one bit. And I try to not get too personal with people, but I certainly never personally attack people. I might make some smirky comments at them. But when people start saying that you're a moron for thinking this and not give logical reasons, I, at that point, there is no more conversation to be had. Because if your argument is, well, you're stupid. That's not an argument. Okay. That's not an argument. And you've just lost. Bye-bye. I don't need to ever waste any energy or time on talking to you again. And I guess the one difference, not just for CSB, but in general that I have is I don't like mute people. I actually ban people because my content that I put out there and some would say, well, that there's zero value to it. But I know that's not true because... I'm one of the highest followed people on No Agenda Social in terms of raw numbers. So clearly enough people want to be seeing the stuff that I put out there, that there is value to it. And I don't want to provide any value to somebody that is on that band list that has insulted me rather than having a rational conversation yeah, with we've, me. 
Like they don't, they don't need to get we, that. We've no, had the, I know there's ways around. We've that. had the mute versus block discussion before. I think the last time we spoke on a podcast and I, I, I still Could maintain yeah. that that block is just mute. Plus you're being petty. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I mean, it, it's like petty is not enough of a name calling word for me to block somebody. That wasn't name calling. Uh, that was know, descriptive of a behavior. I know. But I don't think it is. I think that you're missing the absolutely rational portion of that, which is things that I do have a value. And that value sometimes is returned in direct dollars if I'm doing something for a client. Sometimes it's returned in a message online saying, hey, I really appreciated watching this or I I like your opinion. I'm glad somebody said this. There is a value to consuming the product that I create. And, and it's open and free to be consumed, but I reserve all rights to my end product. Like I, I don't release those copyrights into public domain. And so I am perfectly willing to limit the distribution of things to people that I don't like. <laughs> it's, it's probably the same. Sounds better to me. Well, it, that may be, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I can find a few things for your past employers that you do that are petty. I I didn't, I don't claim that everything I do is rational. (laughs) Right. And that's, so I think being, if you want to call it petty, that's fine. But I think it, it it has a rational basis. Okay. Just keep telling yourself that it's the same. Look, I'll tell you what, it's the same reason that I don't have Netflix. I I feel like I think Netflix went and crossed the line with releasing borderline pedophile content i I just don't need to give any i feel like i have a much more rational reason for not wanting netflix which is that they were not giving me enough value in the in the form of useful content to justify how much they kept wanting to charge well and that's that's fair enough i mean if you didn't care about what they're making and you just purely are looking at what they're not making i I, I mean i'm not saying everybody i mean i understand that netflix is producing child porn but i also didn't have to watch that so i didn't right right and i i guess i'm going the next step further and saying that i i choose to not spend any money with somebody i I mean i understand where you're coming from this is the same rationale for a boycotting company that is a bad corporate yeah. citizen. You don't like Apple? What's You don't have to spend money I, with that. And I, I, I will argue up and down that I have a very rational reason for not believing that Apple is delivering enough value ba- or to justify the amount of money they charge. And that's an easy argument to make because of the incredible amount of money that they charge. However, I'm a little bit with you on the Apple thing, I don't like the corporate citizen that the company is being. So I get that. Mm-hmm. I still think blocking is petty. Well, <laughs> I think it's the exact okay. same territory as, as your distinct okay. Apple. So, well, I, 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 I'm okay I don't need this. to have this conversation. We can, we're, we're now close to over three hours. Well, we've already had yeah. the conversation. And well, we also conversation. I feel like the, this is a better conversation to have when you invite CSB onto your show. Maybe. I mean, I don't know well, it, it it's not, impossible that that would happen at some point but i don't think that that will happen as long as he's so on the ukraine bandwagon (laughs) oh yes there is that i have received a lot of flack and incidentally it's not just csb there there definitely is a chip on poland's shoulder a lot of people that are polish seem to be a lot more gung-ho for the u.s to fight russia 
than actual Ukrainians that I know. Like the Ukrainians are like, this sucks. <laughs> it sucks that shit's happening. And like, they see themselves as a lot closer to Russians, I, I, right? So any, any family squabbles are bad. The people from Poland, they tend to like see Ukraine as a like, great, so, let's move this pawn and fuck Would Russia the word up. you'd use be bloodthirsty? I don't uh, know. Maybe. I mean, but they're certainly very aggressive. I, I have personally taken a lot more flack than I expected for my position on the Russia-Ukraine war or whatever it's called. And my position is, I don't know. I'm not there. I don't want it to in, interact with my life. From the perspective mm -hmm. of the average American, it is a political stunt that is being used to distract people from what is going on in America by the mainstream media who will not shut the hell up about it because there's so many things here that a responsible journalist would be talking about instead of Russia and Ukraine. And I get a lot yeah, of hate. I, I think it's now for not crossed, taking a position. I think it's now crossed over the cost of being the most expensive U S oh. military. Now. Oh, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, very much we angry spent less about in Afghanistan. We spent less on Iraq. We spent less on. I'm, I'm very it. much angry about how my money is being stolen from me and wasted by the federal government. But at this point, if I continue to crank up the anger about that particular thing, I am in danger of an integer overflow. So there's only so much more <laughs> anger. I can. You just need to be running floating. Yeah, maybe. There's only so much more anger I can generate over the fact that the federal government steals my money and then sends it overseas to be laundered into a political party. That's not great. Yeah. But the specifics of who fired a missile where and whether or not tanks are moving onto what it's it, it from the perspective yeah. of somebody who is not located in Europe, it feels like a distraction. And I don't want to be distracted by that. Yeah. There are so many places in the U.S. that tanks need to be running over that <laughs> I, I don't feel like Ukraine needs to be the top of everyone's list. But, man, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. taken and, so much flack for, for not having a position on that. Well, and I'm, I'm pretty much with you on all of that for the exact same reasons. However, because I was born in Russia, even though I grew up in the U.S., nobody can separate those two things. It's like, oh, well, you were born, uh, clearly you, you just holding water for Putin. It's like, well, no, if you look at my political positions across the last 40 fucking years, you can see a consistency across the board. I was against the first Gulf War. I was protesting the first Gulf War. Gulf War? I've been against all wars the U.S. has again engaged I could, I could in. Get it. I could get involved you know, in a Gulf War. Yeah, well, it, it's it's been a consistent position. And right now, when the U.S. was staging revolutions left and right, and everybody with any brain cells knew about it, during the color revolutions and Hillary talking about her techno experts that were able to achieve these revolutions that the CIA wasn't able to do themselves in the past, she's bragging about her State Department people uh, by introducing technology were able to overthrow and topple governments. That's a problem. Yeah. And, and when this originally happened, I made a prediction. I said, this is going to bite the U.S. in the end because eventually, and I thought it would only take about five years. I did not think it would last well, as long. You, but did you predict Trump? Because that, no, that pretty Trump, much no. screwed up the timetable for the globalist takeover in every way. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I thought within five years that there would be some incident 
where Ukraine would have a revert revolution, whatever you want to call it, where they would eventually see that being a lapdog of the U.S. is not really the position we want to be in and that it wasn't nearly as bad as we thought it was being in the family of Russia and all the the former republics because there was a cooperative, there, there's benefits from a cooperative standpoint to countries that you're physically located next to all doing commerce and business with each other on friendly terms. And what happened here was Ukraine essentially was able to get a government in place that would cancel those agreements and relationships and, in fact, physically attack people that disagreed with their newfound position, which was happening in the eastern regions of Ukraine, literally from 2013 until now, resulting in thousands of civilian deaths. And doing it, why? Because they saw a potential benefit financially from the West, from the United States. And they they're absolutely realized that benefit financially in the form of money laundering. So and it sounds so like you just made the, the argument people, that it's just capitalism, which is an argument you made. Earlier. Well, it is capitalism. People that made a lot of money got what they wanted. The, the average person in Ukraine got fucked and now they're getting fucked even more because they're having to fight for these rich people that are making money from the U.S. The average person in Ukraine didn't benefit from this at yeah. all. It's not like they got freedom, whatever that is. The average person is. in the U.S. isn't they benefiting didn't... either. And I would venture to say that oh, the average not. person in Russia is Russia probably not benefiting, benefiting either. Yeah, nobody's you know, benefiting here. The average person in Russia has just been sent back 20 years in the information age because they've been cut off from all the Western services. They're not benefiting. Yeah. Exactly. No, there, there's a lot of it's almost like the globalists across. It's the almost way like here. the globalists are just playing games that end up hurting all of the people, no matter where it is, just so that they can have their petty spitting matches and scams that make money by stealing from the public. It's almost like that. Well, the globalists were very happy during COVID. Wherever, regardless of where you think it comes from, and what the the source of COVID was. I, we can agree you, you that mean the, 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 the respiratory disease formerly known as the flu. Right. That it, it benefited the globalists. They were able to fully take advantage of it to install draconian policies. And it has not since 9-11 has there been quite as much of a, of a bending of the will of the people to allow suppression, the, the ruling Suppression elites. of human rights for the benefit of the elites, yes. Yeah, like for the, yeah, like with no tangible benefits other than allowing the elites to do literally anything they want the, in the name the, the of the lockdowns COVID. and and manufactured panic from that all falls under the COVID umbrella is another one of those things that makes me unreasonably angry to the point where I need to allocate more bits to store the integer. Yeah. And and it's, I think, in a lot of ways, they are getting, maybe they didn't think this would happen in Russia, maybe they thought this would happen in China, but I, I think they're getting the pushback that was coming, and they're, they're not at a point of saying, okay, well, we need to relent and, and regroup and figure out some new strategies here. They're just all sticking to their original game plan, which is, Hey, man, we have taken over the U.S., which means that we rule the world. 
and everybody else has to do what we say, and there's no question about it. That's the attitude right now of the globalists and through them, the U.S., and it's a very dangerous attitude, and I know that I've, I've probably been putting more thermonuclear war memes out there than other people, but I think that even if it's a remote possibility, it's a hell of a lot more possible that we're going to end up in nuclear war today than was the case a year ago or 10 years ago, certainly, or, or even in the 80s when we thought we were closer. I think today we're actually well, closer. on the plus side, even if they don't get their nuclear war, at least we are on board for probably close to a billion of us dying suddenly of mis- unknown causes within the next five years. So that'll help. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, they've always got backup yes. plans. <laughs> so let's let's not forget about that. There there are plenty of strategies to minimize population. And I think the whole question is like, well, who would want to control the population? Why would they want to have a smaller population? It's very simple, dude. If your herd of cattle gets too big, they're liable to knock the fence over. You got to have manageable size yes. herds. It's that simple. Okay. So yeah, are we how done do you on that note? We can shows. wrap up. I just say, and on that note, we're going to wrap up. And on that terrible disappointment. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. 